0: For more Red FM podcasts,
1: go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts. All right, the um, <laughs> story coming out of Limerick this morning. Uh, many of the Red Tops are leading with it on their front page where Gardaí have launched a murder hunt now for a runaway killer. He stabbed a young woman to death, uh, a shocking attack, sparking fear in Limerick, they say. and uh, The brother of a, a previous victim said that women are not safe walking our streets, not necessarily just the streets of Limerick either. So Killer on the Loose is the front page of Making the Star today. I was telling you yesterday morning on the air of uh, the death of a man in a house fire in Douglas, um, you know, uh, closer to the the, the back village. Um, but um, it's a story now that has uh, uh, took a deeper look into the man himself who died, a man called Connor Downey, a 57 year old man, a convicted killer and sex offender, that's what the Echoes reporting this morning, killed in a house fire. I'll come back to this story in a few minutes time. He was uh, pronounced dead following a house fire at his home in Douglas on Tuesday afternoon. Jailed in 1993 in London after confessing to the manslaughter of a 26-year-old Donegal native by the name of Susan Redden. Uh, And then in 2001, arrested by Gardaí in Cork on suspicion of an attempted rape of a woman in Cork in 1988, Broke into her apartment, sexually assaulted her, uh, and beat her. So uh, we'll come back to this uh, story uh, a little later on, but The Sun this morning has a really detailed article on the late uh, Connor Downey. Uh, Headline says, killer dies in blaze, brute identified through dental records. Uh, More on that in a a few minutes' time, as I say. Uh, You couldn't make this stuff up with regards to housing. The front of the Times this morning said, in spite of there being plenty money to be spent on either buying or building houses, the Department of Housing has failed to spend one. 0.52 0.52 billion euro that was part of their capital budget uh, for 2020 to 2022 and that figure remained unspent i mean should a head not roll for that like should people be carpeted for that they really should that the housing department has failed to spend over one and a half billion earmarked for housing over the past three years. That is, that's a shocking statistic. It's absolutely appalling to read a story like that. And, and, and I know that the headlines and stories can sometimes twist the narrative. But the Mail this morning is saying, um, and I don't know, it's probably not a direct quote, but the headline is, nobody gave us eviction figures. And what they're saying is that Words to the effect that Leo Varadkar has insisted that the cabinet wasn't presented with figures showing nearly 7,000 termination notices waiting to be put in force after the eviction ban was lifted. Uh, like nobody told us this was going to happen. Like, what did they expect to happen? You lift an eviction ban; eviction notices are going to be issued. I mean, it's pretty pathetic stuff. Uh, my conversation with uh, Father McVery yesterday, um, with uh, Father Peter McVery, with regards to um, you know homelessness and figures and housing and what have you, that's picked up by a lot of the papers this morning. Because on air yesterday morning with me, he did clarify and apologise to the Taoiseach. Um He had said at one stage that the Taoiseach had overruled the housing minister that Dara O'Brien wanted to continue the eviction ban and Leo overruled him he clarified and apologised that yesterday on air and it's picked up by the newspapers but we, we we certainly have 9,000 notices to quit and the numbers will continue to rise and even those with homes and with mortgages particularly those who probably find it difficult to sleep at night because their mortgage is trapped inside a vulture fund that makes the Irish Independent this morning on their front page they put a number of 60,000 mortgages Holders trapped with vulture funds you'll be damn sure that those vulture funds will be the very first to pass on every single ECB rate rise that's available they'd hold back on none any opportunity to put up an interest rate would be taken. Well, I should say that about all the banks, really, shouldn't I? Now, interestingly, on the front page of the Irish Times this morning, there is a story that centers around a book called This Book is Gay by Juno Dawson. It's been on the recommended reading list uh, by the Social Personal Health Education um, department if you like this is the SPHE which does the recommended reading and lots more stuff primarily for junior cycle curriculum uh, students and what have you now i mention it again uh, because it got very hot and heavy on this program some weeks ago when we were talking about this book is gay now i've i've read the book subsequently it's a non-fiction exploration of growing up as an lgbtq Person Or indeed, young person. Now, it's been challenged because sections of it provide a lot of detail regarding sex, uh, anal sex, oral sex, sexual positions, sexting, sex apps for casual sex, stuff like that. That book now um, will be uh, taken off the list. In fact, what they're going to do now is they're not going to recommend any uh, books. And this, of course, has been... Um this 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 was fueled by the book, this book is gay. So now it's been challenged due to that um, and the contents of it. And the spokesperson has come out and says they are going to revise now and reflect the updated junior cycle curriculum. And they will republish it shortly and they won't be recommending any included recommending reading lists for teachers or parents. And you can put that down primarily to the fact that that book was in the recommended reading uh, for children. So your thoughts on that are welcome because the latest development, it it probably won't be taken off the shelves of uh, Cork City Library or other libraries. But it is on a recommended reading list and I've seen it on the website. Um, your thoughts then that are welcome. Text 086 And just on with regards to gender and gender identity, there's a story also in The Independent that says that there are now 72 Irish children on a waiting list for Tavistock House Gender Identity Clinic in the UK. They put the figure at 72 children. If you drill into it, in even more detail, it probably gives the the ages of the children involved clearly no personal details about the children. But here's a story that for the third time, <clears throat> my reckoning has been before the court courts now. And I've been telling you all about this story over the past couple of months. It's the allegation that a woman threw a garden gnome at one of her neighbours and it hit her in the head and the neighbour had to go to hospital for stitches. Now, the woman involved in that has has pleaded guilty and it was before the courts again for the third time this morning. Now, Bear in mind, I haven't been in court, I don't know anything about the court case, so I can't say as to the details as to why. But I have to ask the question as to why um, it's been adjourned again and will be before the courts again for a third time. I mean, this is clearly costing an awful lot of money. Now, the courts know best, but as a citizen of this country and of this city, we're surely entitled to ask, and me in particular, as to why courts keep on putting off and bringing back and putting off and deferring court cases that could be dealt with you would think in one sitting wouldn 't you so it 's the garden gnome story. Uh, a garden gnome was thrown at a woman 's head when she responded to a call to her home at three o 'clock in the morning. Now the culprit has confessed, um, and it was listed yesterday uh, where Laura Malone pleaded guilty to assault, causing harm to to a neighbor. Uh, they were known to each other. Um, and uh so she arrives at the other house at something like, uh was it four in the morning, three in the morning, something like that. Uh, clearly, they don't talk anymore now and they have fallen out because of it. But the injured party opened the door at her home at three o'clock in the morning. Um, she was in bed at the time. She heard a loud banging at her front door and she looked out and she saw her friend and her neighbor, Laura Malone, outside. So she went to answer the front door to Miss Malone, who was standing about five feet away from her with her hands behind her back. And she, Laura Malone, says to her, Do you want to fight? Three in the morning now. Without warning, she threw a precast garden gnome at the householder, striking her in the head. So the house owner then had to be taken a hospital, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And all this is before the courts. And now it has been deferred and adjourned again, uh, sentencing to allow time for the preparation of a victim impact statement uh, and also some compensation. But interestingly, it was also said in the same case uh, that uh, Laura Malone pleaded guilty as well to a second unrelated charge, an incident on Patrick Street, where she approached a parked taxi, banged the side of it before kicking the wing mirror and causing €350 worth of damage and punching the taxi driver in the head. So uh, her solicitor said that she would pay €350 compensation to the taxi driver. Um, Actually, interestingly, uh, she got a lot of breaks in life um, because she was housed through Cork Simon community and is doing much better in her life now, apparently. And I sincerely hope so. But anyway, I just wonder... Could we, not, could we not move faster in our courts? You know, get things done faster. Get in, get out, move on. Get in, get out, move on. Uh, Nick Flynn, who has been um, a regular contributor to this programme all through COVID, in fairness to him, he's a GP partner with Cork My GP. He makes the front of the echo today because he says, we really are on a hide to nothing if all of the uh, medical practitioners and doctors that are here working from overseas ever decide to go home. It's bad enough as it is um, with a shortage, but if we have a huge over-reliance on overseas GPs and Irish practices. And if they ever decide to just go home, it will absolutely collapse if they decide to return. Uh, it's interesting, actually, why GPs are coming in from overseas, nurses are coming in from overseas, while Irish doctors and nurses are going overseas. They're leaving. Ours are leaving and others are coming in. Papers today also. Great news for the South Mall. I love this story. It's the former National Bank, National Irish Bank on the South Mall, and much older than that, actually. That building would be hundreds of years old, number 71. It's got planning permission for a hotel. um, And now it's been announced that it will, yes, it certainly will be a hotel, but towards a younger clientele. They call it the Instagram generation, and they're also going to put in a music venue. I think that's brilliant. It's one of the best stories I've seen all week. It will give a new lease of life to the South Man. We need more of that. Absolutely more hotel bedrooms. Why not? but definitely more music venues and more alternatives for young people to go and hear live music or go to a gig or go and have a bop. So best of luck to whoever's behind that. Um, and this story is amazing because I, I know this guy. I don't know his name or anything, but anytime uh, I'm in Ken Station or dropping off or getting a train, I love to pop into the shop there because they do fantastic sandwiches. At Really, really good sandwiches at the shop in Kent Station. And there's a Pakistani shopkeeper back in there. And he's always smiling. He's always laughing. And he's always chatting. And I've had a few words, couple of vocals with him in the past. He's just a really lovely guy. You know, he really and truly is. His name is Danish. I hope I get this right. Danish. Um, Jamshed, he's 41, he moved to Ireland from Karachi 15 years ago um, and he said he doesn't really have a particular problem picking up languages and he says that he never found Irish a difficult language to learn and he enjoys seeing the reaction from his customers when he uses the of fuckle, which he did with me a few weeks ago and I was well impressed with him, the odd one here and there like things like, you know, Conasatatu and Tomegamah and stuff like that it's a great story uh, making the examiners today, and two presidents dominate some of the Irish newspapers this morning. One of course, is Donald Trump, who actually has won a got a court order now for Stormy Daniels to pay him one hundred and eleven thousand. Dollars, by all accounts, for a failed defamation case that she took against him. And the other one then is Joe Biden, who is coming to Ireland and we're preparing to welcome a son of Ireland home when he arrives next week. We do that all the time. Some might say, pathetically, uh, try and claim American presidents in various counties in Ireland. But I suppose, where's the harm in it? My problem with it is I can never actually ever make out whether he is genuinely uh, Irish or not, or whether or not he claims to be uh, Irish or not um, because I, I did read somewhere in the papers recently that he said something about the fact that he wasn't actually Irish at all because he didn't drink and none of his family were ever in jail or, or worse to that effect. I'd been to Ireland many times but not to
2: actually look up to find my actual family members and there are so many and they actually weren't in jail, they were all <laughs> but, but all kidding aside and that The Bluets and the Finnegans and all of the folks who were we were related to spent six days there. And the Finnegans were from County Louth. And there's still if you go to County Louth, there's still a place called Finnegan's Pub. Now, I'm the only Irishman you've ever met, though, that's never had
3: a drink, so I'm
1: okay. Yeah, he kind of yeah, really did. not Irish. He kind of you know, did me. say it. He says, well, he says, uh, I'm really not Irish because uh, I don't drink and none of my family were ever in jail. Uh, fair play to you. Keep that up, whatever you do. Mock away to your heart's content. There's a lot of other stories making the papers today, which I will come back to throughout the morning, including some very light ones with regards to your lifestyle and lifestyle choices. Uh, don't touch that dial if you add sugar to your tea or your coffee or your food. Don't touch that dial if you snore. Don't touch that dial if, for instance, you um, smoke. Um, I might mention the smoking one now, if you if you don't mind, because you remember back in the day, watched the old black and white movies, they were all smoking, it looked so sexy. Much of those films, actually the um, cigarette companies were paying for placement for people to smoke their fags and you see with James Dean all the time another person Audrey Hepburn they always had a fag in their mouth but apparently it's a total turn off in the love department. Smoking has lost its sex appeal lads they've done a major poll now by a major dating company and they say that um, the classic movie stars like James Dean and Audrey Hepburn smoking on fags used to look cool but it ain't no more non-smokers are more than twice as likely to find love on the internet cigarette free men have a 50% higher chance of hooking up online than those who smoke while women the odds are even higher It's nearly 65% so if you're a non-smoking woman you have a 65% chance of hooking up with somebody or finding love and it makes sense actually doesn't it because ah, there's yeah. nothing worse than the smell of cigarettes or stale smoke, either on a person, kissing a smoker, on their clothes, or even walking into a room where someone's been smoking,
4: right? Yeah, it's just nasty, and it's just, you know, like, it's, it's, I suppose, when you're looking for a potential partner, you're looking for somebody to spend the rest of your life with, people who smoke obviously there's more health complications there's all that kind of stuff going on the the way it stains teeth and, and nails and everything you know it's just it's just one of those things that like personally I've never smoked I've never I've never smoked a cigarette in my entire life but um, uh, well
1: I did and uh, and so I mean, I'm yeah. probably poacher turned gamekeeper but yeah. now I can't stand the smell of it I
4: just but I, I think the thing is especially with our generation and we are the online dating generation we are the generation that grew up with non-smoking in smoking areas it was normal for us for sm- or for smokers to be segregated from everyone else now mind you if you have a lighter in a smoking area in the brogue you have a much better chance of picking up somebody still well I was going to say that they do say
1: well said on that they do say that the smoking areas or the outside areas is the place to yeah. hook up it's and really, get the chats and the flirting it's the place you can actually hear people in most yeah. places yeah. but, but, but apparently that's the new social you know, dating place it is yeah
4: so it's kind of like um, it's kind of like having a lighter but not having a smoke so like I don't I again I said like I said I don't smoke at all so what, what, do, apply, what? do people do? Do
1: guys hang around with a lighter in their hand, hoping someone will ask them to light their? <laughs> I flag, don't know
4: it? if it's that necessarily pre-planned, but like definitely, you know, it's it's almost like a way of saying that you're you're interested in somebody when you're not interested. Kind of like a you know subtle code for saying like I, I actually want to have a chat with you. Like do you want to smoke or can I have a light? You know, the girls come up, she's say, can I have a light? And off you go. And I always say, I'm sorry, I don't, dying. I don't smoke, so maybe that's why you're blowing I'm your chances. I mean,
1: I think it probably would be okay if if. <laughs> Two people smoked and they hooked up. That's yeah. fine, you know? Horses for courses then. But it's interesting research. All right, appreciate that. Our lines are open. You can text 868 on that one as well. I don't want to keep her much longer because Anne Mooney's on hold from the Irish Sun and she joins me by phone. Anne, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Thanks for taking the call. I know it's a busy day for you, but you actually were the journalist who originally exposed the fact that Conor Downey was back in Cork back in the day. What do we know of Conor Downey, the convicted killer who burned in a raging house fire in Douglas on Tuesday?
5: So um, Conor Downey um, was uh, living with um, a woman called Suzanne Redden, um, who was originally from Donegal, and they shared a house together in London. And um, she disappeared and was listed as a missing person in 1988. Um, four years later, uh, Downey went to the police in Surrey in, and uh, confessed that he had strangled her and that he had hidden her body and gave them details of where he had hidden her body. Um, they found um, body parts, unfortunately, um, fortunately and unfortunately, um, needed, but her torso was missing and uh, that has never been recovered since. Um, surprisingly, he was he was only charged with manslaughter and he um, was only sentenced to three years in prison that time. Um, <laughs> so he um he surfaced again in cork um in after returning from london and um he stayed with a relative in douglas west um i think in the same house as he he was found in um dead during the week yeah um and um he he uh, was um in two thousand and four um he Uh, he sexually assaulted and raped uh, a woman Uh, he broke into her flat um, in Cork City and um, she woke to find him standing in her her bedroom Um, and he viciously assaulted her so much so that she went the next day to the guards and um, her face was so badly damaged that the guards thought that she was wearing a horror mask or described it as wearing a horror mask, Um, she was so badly beaten um he uh, the Rachel Kiley um sorry, the Rachel Kiley murder in, in yeah Balancolig, uh region park led to the Garda seeking samples from uh, from people, DNA samples from people and he voluntarily gave um a sample for that um for that killing but uh, obviously knowing that he wasn't involved, um but that led to him being caught via the DNA sample.
1: Because you're saying in the sun that it was a one in a thousand million chance of it being anyone but him for yes. the rape. Yeah.
5: Yes, yeah. that's right. And so he, um, he, he, was, uh, he was convicted in 2004 and he was sentenced to, um, to 12 years in prison. Uh, he served 12 of those. Um, and he returned back to Douglas um, and was living in the house in Douglas West.
1: Just interesting without without cutting across you do, you do say in the sun this morning that he was also convicted um, of assaulting a doctor who collected the blood samples yes. for the DNA yes,
5: that's right and he went he went to the doctor's surgery with a knife and held it against his stomach and told him he was going to kill him because he was the person who took the DNA so he was a vicious violent person um both a sexual predator and and uh, and a violent um a, assault assaulty, salty right
1: and and when um, when he came to service time and came back to court, you reported that fact is it uh,
5: yes what happened was um there was a lot of activity on social media um p- uh, women uh, in the douglas area warning each other that um uh, in various forms forms warning each other that um downey was around and uh, that um, it wasn't safe to walk the streets of Douglas on their own at night um, to be aware that he was in the area Mm -hmm. Um, and uh, as well as that as far as I recall Douglas Douglas Village Shopping Centre where he shopped um, also issued a warning to uh, women not to park on the third story of the car park or in areas where where it would be isolated knowing that he was in their midst um, so I picked up on the story and um, I contacted the news desk, obviously, and they set up, um, a, I suppose, a sting operation, really, because they sent down a photographer who sat outside um, the the house in Douglas West and got photographs of Downey going about um, his daily activities like normal. Um, he was shopping in the shopping centre, he was walking up and down the street um, without a care in the world. Um, and so we ran the story that he was this predator and uh, as a result of the story he left the city and he went to Limerick um, where he, I understand, became involved with some of the criminal elements in in that city Mm -hmm. Um, and he was pulled in by the Gardaí and uh, questioned uh, about his activities Um, and in the course of the interview he told the guards that he had left Lim, uh, Cork because he was chased out of Cork by The Sun mm-hmm. and the story and um, that he would get the reporter that did the story. He told the guards that, Me. that
1: he would get the yes, reporter who wrote the story. So that's you. Yeah. So that was a threat yeah. against you.
5: Yeah. It was. It right. was. Um, <clears throat> and that, that, um, that activated... Uh, I didn't know, Neil, and I didn't know for, for I suppose, maybe two or three years afterwards, that that had happened because the guards didn't, they contacted me. Um, but they did it in a different way to what, uh, in, instead of telling me directly that there was a threat issued against me, um, they um, they contacted the guards in Angusley Street and two of the detectives, one of, one detective who was very much involved with, with the media, contacted me um, to ask me about my security at home um, and I jokingly said, oh, listen, we've half a dozen dogs and, you know, yeah. a few. <laughs> yeah. And uh, he said, no, 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 uh, have you got um, home security? And I said, yeah, we have. And uh, he said, can I, can I come out and see it? And I said, what's going on? And um, he said, look, you know, you know, I'm involved with journalists and um, I just want to, kind of, I like to keep in touch. And I like to sort of from time to time check, check out things like this. Okay. So, I said fine. So he and another detective arrived out and um and I again I asked what was going on and I was told, you know, if there's nothing to worry about. So um it was only afterwards that I discovered from a colleague who was um who was involved with uh, the guards in Limerick that um he had been told that um this threat was made and that that was the reason behind the, um, the the security check
1: um, How did you feel when you heard that some years later?
5: Um, well at that stage um, it was over and done with really um, Look Neil I covered the courts for 6 years for the examiner mm. um, and I wrote about probably all the major criminals in Cork uh, including drug dealers and everything else, it's part of the job. It's one of the things you do.
1: Do they make um, do? Do the do the others make threats then when they're going no, down or something?
5: No, no, no. They could have, but they didn't. Um, but there was always a there was always a risk there that they would. Um, but you know, you just um, look. It's the job. You get on with it. You do it. Um, and this story was one that had to be written because this mm. man was a menace in the community and he was a menace to women in the community. And Could, and
1: so, yeah, you know... Yeah, yeah. Can I just ask you, Do, you, do you, in, in hindsight, do you think that Angarda Chikana should have been more direct to you and tell you of the threat? Or was it better that um, they didn't because you'd be looking over your shoulder and I, I don't know which way to go on yeah, that? Yeah, like?
5: you see, I'm actually, I'm actually... Um, I'm actually kind of both ways on that one because... Um, in a sense, um, I suppose that they should have told me that there was a threat against me, um, but I'm glad that they didn't, because I think if they had, I would have been constantly mm. looking over my shoulder and checking out, was anybody following me in the car? Um, you know, when I went shopping in Douglas, was was there somebody there keeping a watch of me to yes. sort of, you know, yeah. um, take advantage of a situation if I was in a quiet place? Um, as it was, you know, just got on with life, and and uh, as it turned out, it was. Uh, I believe you see, I I do believe that people like that. It's a bit like bullies, you know. That um, if if you give in to them, um, and you um, you show fear, then you know you're you're you literally are making yourself vulnerable
1: yeah I know I know okay well said just finally then did you manage to talk to people in, in the Douglas area I believe you did because they said that there is a sense of relief there now is that that he's gone yes,
5: yes. And, and obviously there is a fun, the fun thing about it was that um, I didn't know he was back in Cork um, I had absolutely no idea I don't know how long he was in the house in in, um, in Douglas West Um but I I do um, I do wonder do, did the people who are there now or in the area even realise who he was um, and uh, you know why it didn't get out that he was still in the com- back in the community mm. but but according to people I spoke to he was a loner he had no friends um, he didn't mix with people mm. um, he kept to himself and so I suppose um he lived a quiet life. Um and he didn't come to attention and he certainly didn't come to further attention as far as I know because we didn't see him coming before the courts or anything since that, you know. Um but uh yeah it was it was it was a surprise to learn that he was back um and that he had died the way he did. But but now when the when the story came out again, you know, there was obviously a sense of relief that he was he was gone, um, you know, sad as it was that he died the way he did, um, which was a horrific death for anybody to, um, to endure. But um, but on the other hand, he was a very, very vile sexual predator, um, as well as being very violent. And, um, you know, experience tells me that, people, you know, the leopard doesn't change his spots and uh, I I do believe that you know at some stage maybe he would have presented a dangerous
1: it also raises the question as to whether enough information is given to the public in general that it shouldn't be down to online forums or it shouldn't be down to uh, shopping centres putting up signs in car parks should more be done to warn local communities I wonder
5: yeah I have an opinion on that Neil and I do believe that the public are entitled to know if there's dangerous people in their midst
1: yeah yeah, good stuff, good stuff, well said. Listen, and just on a, on a personal note, I, I believe that it's uh, is it the anniversary of your late husband, the great Brendan Mooney, tomorrow. the great Cork journalist, tomorrow, so our thoughts are with you. Yeah. He was, he was yeah. an incredible man. He was one in a million, and we we all loved him very much, so our thoughts are with you this week.
5: Thank you, Neil. I know he had a special spot for you, he because did. you we, were one of his
1: protégés. He certainly was very kind to me back in the day. Your, your yeah. husband, actually, was one of the reasons that I came back from radio in Canada to come back and do radio in Ireland um, when the commercial sector was set up, and I've always been very grateful for him to him for that. And I just want to put that on record, He's a wonderful, wonderful man. And thanks so much Thank for taking great. the call this morning. Okay. Mind yourself. Take Thank care. you. Bye-bye. And Mooney from the Irish Sun. Our lines are open. You can text 0868104106. Calls on the way. After the break.
6: Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818-104-106. Cork's
1: red FM. i about to call us in a second, so hold on there, Stephen. I won't be long. I just wanted to mention Tony Hosford is retiring as bus driver on the 223, and Frick down in passage was in touch touch with me saying, Would you give him a big shout out? He was never late and always sound. So, all of your passengers, Tony Hosford, want to say thank you and have a great retirement retiring as the bus driver on the 223. Actually, talking about Passage, you couldn't make this stuff up, apparently. They're closing uh, the Passage West uh, post office. In fact... Um, actually my apologies a credit union I should say um, it's, it's amazing because of the very same thing is happening apparently in Grange as well but I love the way they do it uh, Mark got in touch with me and say I'm sending you a recent post regarding our local credit union in Passage West they're considering closing the branch on a Saturday which will have a terrible effect on the people of Passage it'll add obviously severe pressure to local businesses and elderly people with even more hassle now, because if you wanted to do it on a Saturday in Passage, you now have to go to Douglas. The same, incidentally, if you're in Grange on a Saturday, you'll have to go to Douglas. Um, I'm hoping you should talk to the branch CEO to ask them to review or cancel this decision and keep the branch open on Saturdays and even improve the hours. But the, press, the statement that, that they released then says, in the interest of maintaining high levels of member service, We've made the decision to keep one office open on a Saturday. <laughs> I mean, like, makes no sense when you say that. So they're consolidating the Saturday services at Douglas uh, Post uh, Credit Union, putting on extra counter staff, extending opening hours to one o'clock. <laughs> extending opening hours to like if you said five o'clock, you'd say something. Anyway, I shouldn't find it funny because it must be very annoying for those that use the Passage West or the Grange. Credit unions on a Saturday, so that's it. That's just another, um, you know, link in the chain of deservicing us, I suppose, or taking away things that people were relying on. It's unfortunate, isn't it? I don't know whether, isn't it? I don't know whether that could be reversed or not. Who knows? Quite a lot of text from yesterday's program in all sorts of fashions. A lot of it had to do with uh, housing. Interesting to see the response to the little bit I did trying to modernise this week in terms of uh, Holy Week, and we were talking yesterday morning about Spy Wednesday and what happened by Wednesday and then today being the Thursday and the crucifixion on Friday. Some people loved it, other people thought that it was uh, uh, just fairy tale, fairy tale nonsense, so we'll come back to those texts that are at the course of the morning, but i want going to get back to the phone lines now. Stephen, good morning. Good morning. S- so I ran out of time yesterday and my apologies for that. There was a point that you wanted to make regarding um, um, building our own houses like we used to do years ago, was it? Yeah,
3: yeah. Unfortunately, I'd like to say that this government, i not blaming them for nothing, but at the end of the day, they had to bring in, they had to stop what's going on and think about what was happening. If, in, if they keep the eviction ban in, the problem would only go down the road. The problem started when year, three or four years back when people had been put into hotel rooms, people have been homeless, but nobody took the time to study it. My, my thinking is at this time being again this government have put away five billion in an emergency fund for the future. They have a lot of land lying idle, which have been idle for years. They have a lot of money lying idle they weren't able to spend one and a half
1: billion in the last two years. they could have built a lot yeah. of houses. they yeah. had the money Where and in, didn't spend it
3: the major, the major point I want to make is the minister for housing—he don't know. Does he know anything about construction? If he did, you put it. All he have to do is photo for for in a firm of architects, get them to design the houses, get the land engineers onto the land that they have idle, get that all checked out, and put get a building firm and put them straight in and start building the homes. For, the, for people and do you think that there are building, the do you, you think that there it? are
1: building companies on standby that would take up the contracts you do
3: yeah there are building companies that will do it in fact I walk construction myself and i I remember listening hearing that there was an American company ready to come into Ireland and start building homes modular homes for people and the the, the hassle from the planning organization was they just walked away.
1: Yeah, but be careful now because when you talk about modular homes or American companies, you could be moving towards trailer parks, you know?
3: No, I'm not moving towards trailer parks at all. I know this for a fact that there they were literally homes they were going to build. Yeah, yeah. We, we, were doing, we were doing it already in the country. There was a big, massive building firm below in Ring of Skiddy. I forget their names. But they, they were putting homes together. They, they placed them above on the Blarney Road. And people were moving into them, all right? They were, they were heavy mortgages, but we could do the same on con- on government land.
1: And they'd also be able to build them um, much cheaper, wouldn't they? Because they'd be building them direct.
3: Yeah, it was on a rail, it was on a, a rail system where they'd be put together, and they'd walk down the railway line and all around, and by onto the back of lorries and brought onto the site and put into place. Yeah. So basically. We have the money. We're in an emergency now. Everyone is, I know everyone is suffering, but like to see women and children and elderly, the way they are suffering, is enough utter disgrace, and the government don't seem to, it's gone over their heads.
1: Let me get some more calls on the air if you don't mind. Thank you, Stephen, for that contribution. Some, sometimes it's the common sense approach of people listening to this programme that makes more sense than anything a politician would ever tell you. Anne, good morning.
7: Hi, good morning, How are uh, you?
1: I'm good, thank you. Um, just pick up on the point that we're talking about.
7: No, it was just yesterday. I a lovely speaker yesterday, the priest. Um,
1: oh, my, my apologies, I mean, yes. It's back to Tim Hazelwood. Go ahead, yeah.
7: Sorry, yes. What he was saying yesterday, you know, just, you know, getting houses for people and just, you know, young people just need a bit of direction. That's all they need to get on their job front. So that they get, he covered a lot of stories, really. Yeah. And, um, you know, there's a lot of people... Father uh, Peter
1: McVerry, sorry, I didn't, I wasn't uh, aware of your your topic. My apologies, go ahead. Sorry.
7: Yeah. And, um, you know, he made a very good point yesterday, you know, that, like, on houses, what people need, you know, I know families, I know a family at the moment, um, that, you know, the family is divided, husband and wife, four children, and uh, they were renting, and the lady decided she needed to sell it, which is her right, and um, she didn't know where to go, so she came back to her father. And um, With the children? Bedrooms, with the children and her husband, four children and her husband, and uh, her father has, her brother is also living there, so he's in the small bedroom, so there was only one bedroom free for them. So um, my cousin, she stayed in the house, which she's in the house with the two younger, and her husband has to go to his parents' house.
1: Yeah, so they're with split. The yeah, older. and I bet you there's an awful lot of people are going to be split up like that, families.
7: Oh, yes. And you know what? It's not that they don't want to pay for something; they will pay. Yeah. But it's just getting them on the property ladder. Yeah, yeah. You know, they have, they have. I suppose they have. You know, they're lucky enough to have, uh, you know, enough for deposit. Like, oh, totally. You're talking
1: that. about working families here, incidentally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 absolutely.
7: Like you wouldn't, you wouldn't have, like they probably wouldn't have, like. Realistically, working families—you know, young couple, my own daughter, got a house there, new kind of she's lucky enough to put their single child there, new kind of thing. But young, like the house, like they're they're lucky that they have what I'm saying. They can afford the mortgage, one better word. Yeah. But you've got young couple there, so they're, they're saving, they're trying to get, put it positive in the house, and like the houses are going up, up, and up. Yet the wages are aren't. You know what I mean? Yeah.
1: So what what's, what's the solution?
7: The solution is come back down, take your prices down, read read this get read is getting in the way of everything. You know, government there. I could I could go under about five or six up there and talk about housing, talk about education, talk about education talk about, you know, especially needs. I, I work in the education sector myself, so I see it firsthand. You know, we it's fantastic this is a system. no, not all parts of it. But it's a system that is, you know, working really well. These guys at the Board of Education and the teachers and the SAs and the secretaries yes. and principals, they're outstanding, they'll do the job. We're nourishing, and we're nurturing the children, along with their parents. The parents are fantastic as well, don't get me wrong, but you see it in the classroom setting. You see you, you're educating them. They move, leave primary and they're going to secondary school. Then they're getting ready for the movie world out there. Their, their you know, what would you say, their career guidance, setting so, you know, up. Not everyone has, you know, they're, they're, they're ready to work, but not everyone, are, you know, would complete a uh, leading search, or they might not have the skills to go on to college or yeah. the skills to get the points to go on to college. Yeah. But there's something else there for them. Like, for instance, I mentor a couple of young adolescents there, and uh, I remember going into a job centre and photocopying your CV and then um, I went up to the, the job centre, local job centre, and this young boy came in, he probably did everything in his power to write down his CV, came into the job centre and said, um, I was photocopying there just because my own ink ran out at home, and he went in and he said, um, sorry, he said, he said, to the girl behind the desk, I have a CV there, said, in the window, look over and print it out for me, type it up for me. She looked up and said, sorry, too busy, didn't even look at him. He turned on the heels, walked out, and he left. I I left my
1: phone. Why, why why wouldn't the oomph type up his own CV? I mean, he's because looking to get jobs. Ten years
7: ago, ten years ago, it, ten years ago, computers weren't the way they are now today. In some houses, they were, but in this disadvantaged area of Cork City, it wasn't. So oh, I it's given a break. Out.
1: Okay, so he would need a break and need help because he just wouldn't what have. Says, yeah, took I know. CV yeah. from him. Yeah,
7: yeah. and yeah. I said, look. Can I, do you mind if I'm not choosing to look over it? I took it and he said, no problem. I said, look, I'll give me your email address. I look over it. I it. I sent it to him. I got a few paper copies. I handed it to him. Not put myself up on It's about this boy now. This yeah. is all he needs with a bit a direction. Handed him CV. I forwarded CV with him to a couple of big companies, Johnson & Johnson, back in the day, from a disadvantaged area, disadvantaged family. Got the job. Ten on, he's working there. Oh my All God, of
1: that's a great story. That is a great children story. just yeah.
7: need a little bit of direction.
1: Well done, well done. That's a Adoles, great story.
7: Like Julian Cannon out there in fall centre. If children can't go to college or don't get enough points to go to college, there's are fall. If they don't do good leave search, there's College on it so they can do a leave search um, to get them to pass. Okay. And they can go do an apprenticeship out in fall. They also come back if they didn't get a good um, leading cert. They can do a course or college stuff on for So if they didn't get a TCC or a with points, they come back to college and it's for our school of commerce, and it is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh,
5: okay. Okay.
7: Do, uh, they do a, a course and it leads them to uh, education. Okay. Okay.
6: Learning. There are other options. I,
1: I wish I had more yeah. time, but I don't. But thanks for your call, Anne, and well done helping out that young fella, okay. giving him a leg up and made a huge difference in his life. Back after the break.
6: Call the Neil Prenderville Show now, 0818-104-106. Red FM.
1: 26 apartments on the Boring Manor Road just nearing completion. Nobody knows what they're for or who they are for. You should be asking your councillors why, when two relatives of mine died last year, that a four bedroom house that they were renting from the corporation is still lying vacant. It was cleared out the month afterwards. It's an absolute disgrace when people are looking for houses. Morning. Carrigaline of a new housing estate, fully finished, all sparkling and brand new nothing's been done with them. Every single one of them empty. The old Lidl and McCroom is unused. Could it not be used for refugees with a bit of work? This is just a selection of text. I lived in London. I live in London. There's a four to five week turnaround. Our heads will roll on public authority property. A four to five week turnaround. Our heads will roll. Week one, gut it. Week two, plumbers. Week three, carpenters. Week four, painters. Week five, new neighbours brilliant text thank you for that you should be asking Terry Shannon if John is still in the abattoir have they vetted him yet well the vetting is still ongoing just with regards to John in the abattoir there is a property for him and a nice little home in Madden's buildings but the vetting process seems to take weeks because it still hasn't been finished the process uh, and everything that needs to be done from uh, you know I suppose from a bureaucratic point of view. So he's not in yet, but as soon as he is, I'll let you know. I spent thirty years in Cork City Fire Brigade. The delays in the city council turning housing around is simple. The works department was and still appears to be, staffed by tradesmen that wouldn't warm wouldn't work to warm themselves. Hmm. That's kind of hurtful, isn't it? Staffed by tradesmen that wouldn't work to warn themselves. The reason being there is no accountability anywhere in Cork City Council. And just one fast one, if you don't mind. Just a comment with regards to the Blackrock housing estate you spoke about. It was recently finished, not nine months ago, but only recently. Half of it has already been occupied, and it's just the other half that's empty. I can see people viewing the apartments now. I'm a private owner from a close estate. And we already experienced antisocial behaviour last summer. Things calm down when the Gardaí start to do their rounds. As a neighbour who worked very hard to buy a house, I would prefer a mix with social and elderly downsizing schemes as opposed to putting in pure social housing because of the antisocial issues we see around them. Also, there's a new social housing development approved next to this one already 140 apartments, which will create an overload of social housing in the area. It has concerns from private owners, but they were never listened to. Remember, the area is already full, creches full, no GPs available, roads not suitable for traffic. I agree with social housing, but overloading an area is not the answer. Actually, what that text is also saying, in the opinion of a private owner of a. a, of a home down there is that if you have way too much social housing it leads to way too much anti-social behaviour. So your thoughts on that are welcome. Text 0868104106. I'm
8: Lana O'Connor. Red FM News is first for local, national and international news and you can stay up to date by tuning into our hourly news bulletins or by clicking on
1: redfm.ie.
6: Now, the Neil Prenderville Show, Red
1: FM. Catching up on uh, texts again, certainly from yesterday. Remember, I was chatting yesterday with people who are on eviction notice, and the clock is ticking. And on a few occasions of the past few days, it has been with mothers who are rearing children on their own. And Liz says, you never want to investigate the hard questions, do you? Why? A person has multiple children, multiple fathers, and they demand a house. No responsibility, no accountability. Give me the money. They don't seem to understand where the money comes from. The tooth fairy? You don't think fathers have a responsibility. Break the mold, Neil. Challenge the acceptance of fathers going off into the horizon. They don't, of course, uh, but get onto the train before it leaves the station for good full of unobligated fathers, says Liz. Now, I hope all of that makes sense. I think the gist of it is uh, that it's, it's fathers who don't um, you know, uh, face up to their responsibilities. Can I just say, yesterday when I was talking about this, um, I was wondering why so many people point fingers and give grief to the women, the mothers who are rearing the children on their own. Um, I hadn't been talking yesterday about fathers. I think if a man uh, refuses to pull his weight, he's not a real man. You know, if you have children and you refuse to look after them, even if a relationship is gone, um, or you use them as a as a as a tool with regards to your ex partner, and the same for women who do it to to fathers, I think you're not a real person if you're doing that. You've not, you know, lived up to your responsibility to your children. Can I can I I can't put it any clearer than that? Can I? Uh, yesterday I was talking more about the amount of text that would come in when I talk to somebody on the air who's rearing children on their own, as if you know that they're not entitled to any kind of help or. Uh, you know, that um, they had loads of children never thought about it and that they're spongers and all sorts of things. And of course, everybody has their own individual story to tell. I mean, I do get annoyed though when I see, um, you know, people thinking that they are entitled to everything. That does annoy me. You're not entitled to everything. Uh, You you know, you hopefully in, in a perfect and ideal world, you have a happy family and you have a happy childhood and you go to school and you work hard and you get your exams and you get a job and you paddle your own canoe and you look after yourself and you have your own money and your own income. That doesn't always work for everybody and those people need it. But what I can't stand is those that believe that they, don't never, that they never need to do anything, that everything is there, that they're entitled to a house, that they're entitled to a medical card, that they're entitled to have as many children as they want, that there is nothing that they ever need to do because it's going to all be provided for them. That absolutely wrecks my head. I feel like a mug, really. And I'm sure other people listening to this also feel like a mug particularly if you're one of those that actually do try and, um, you know, uh, do best for yourself and your family in life. Uh, anyway, hope I don't think I can be any clearer than that. With regards to housing and the underspending, the government should have been brought down over the underspending of housing. One and a half billion unspent. I also think Terry Shannon was very rude to you yesterday. No, he wasn't. Uh, but thank you for your concern. I don't regard that as being the case. Uh, I, I really enjoy robust conversations back and forth, and he's damn good at that. Landlords are leaving because the RTB is not fit for purpose. I have tenants who have not paid rent in over 12 months and can't get assistance from them. It will be another year before they leave and I fear for the state that the house will be in. Thank you for that because it does show the other side of the coin. You, you know, you say, okay, well, you can't lift the eviction ban. But what if you're a landlord that is a tenant who just refuses to pay the rent and knows and is given you the middle finger or two fingers knowing that they don't have to? But if they just sit there and don't pay rent, they may well get away with it for a year, perhaps two years, and you'll be just lucky to get them out. Uh, So the lifting of the eviction bill or the eviction ban allows landlords to get rid of tenants who aren't paying, you know, or you know, who have wrecked the joint. It's been trashed and you can't get them out. Billions spent, billions not spent, empty houses not being given out, filling up the country, creating a housing crisis. So when the referendum on housing for all takes place at the end of the year the Irish will be tricked just like with the Lisbon Treaty. Um I think that's more um uh, uh, a dig I suppose not a dig really it would be unfair to the text to saying that we have a border issue control and then there's lots then on sexuality and indeed this book is gay which I will come back to a little later on this morning It's going to be taken off the Department of Education recommended reading list for children in primary school what are your thoughts on that text 0868104106 but i need to revisit another story that i've been dealing with recently this one comes up and has been coming up for the last few summers Uh, and it's a story that involves piper's funfair down in kinsale now the big story earlier in the week for reasons best known to those who did it is that they decided to knock and take out the public toilet in kinsale i know insanity isn't it absolute insanity but now they've decided uh, that if Pipers want to put the fun fair back in Kinsale, they now have to come up with a €60,000 bond before they'll be allowed to set the fun fair up. Now, it's been in Kinsale for over 90 years now intergenerational Pipers fun fair in Kinsale. And you would think in the summertime, you know, for entertainment, for families and children, what better than a fun fair in a town of Kinsale, like Kinsale? Anyway, the latest update is from Brendan Piper himself. Brendan, good morning.
9: Good morning, Neil. Thanks for having me on your programme. I uh, appreciate
1: it. Yet again, of course, because you're, you're plagued by this. What, what's the latest update?
9: Uh, the latest update was, Neil, last, what was last November I applied, which I do every year for the park for the coming season. And um, the word I got back then, that was 2022, 2023, this year, they said they get back to me. The council said they get back to me in January. January went, so February went. There was no... No one got back to me, so I contacted council. Local council came back to me. Yes, you said, you can go into the park. Um, and in fairness to the council, they kept the rent to come back to 2019. Let's just be I clear on this. You it. go
1: into the car park, but you pay rent to put the funfair there. You're not What's getting it. right here? Yeah, it's not free. you no He's not been doing you any favours here. You're paying.
9: We're paying, yeah, but they kept the rent because they were going to double the rent but they, they kept the rent to the 2019 rate and what happened then Neil was um, I said grand and the councillor said to me but and I said what's the but they said when you have a 60,000 euro bond and I said um, what, what's that 60,000 for it's in case what it is when you damage it when you damage the car park there's a bond there to, to when you leave the car when you leave the the car park when the funfair is done, any damage there, the sixty thousand euro will cover that. I said, "How? But where did they come up with this figure?" And they said, "They said um, the park costs a hundred, apparently a hundred and twenty thousand. The tarmac, the park. So sixty, half of that is sixty, so that should be adequate enough to." Do you everything. and
1: do you damage the car park when you put the funfair there?
9: No, we've been in, in that park since nineteen thirty-two. Every year, what we did, now we put our own gravel down. We build up our rides, and we put a—it's it's special gravel. It's three-quarter inch round gravel. So, the, and it's washed. So, if a child falls, it won't cut their, their knees. We've been doing that since 1934, um, making it safe for kids.
1: And then, at the end and of the season, you take all that up again.
9: No, we leave it there for the council, right. and we never ask the council for a reimbursement. That it's there for the council for our car park. Right, and we do that every year. Okay, okay, okay. And when I asked about that bond, you know, there's, that's what they're sending me—that is for um, for material damages. And I and I tried Neil since I got I only got this war three weeks ago, Neil. And do you have to so actually come to up boat. with
1: sixty grand? You have to physically have that money.
9: 60000 of a bond they're looking for, yeah. So, how much of a bond is 60000 I don't know. But do you have but to give that,
1: them sorry. the sixty grand, and then they give it back to you, or a portion if, of it?
9: Yeah, what you do, no, what you do, that bond that there for 60000 that's theirs. And there was a, if there's no damage done, yeah, Neil, there was no damage done, they said, you can have it back at the end of the season. But so you've never no
1: damaged damage. the car parks in the past.
9: Never, never, never damaged Okay, it. okay. And this bond... Neil, I've been trying up and down in the country to try and get this bond. No one would give me the bond. I never heard of it. There was a gentleman I was talking to last week, and who does bonds? He's up in Carlow. I rang him. He said, live with me, Ben, so we could do it. That was three o'clock in the and the afternoon, furnace, and nine o'clock at night. There's own time, he rang me. I saw so, so bright, sorry, Ben. I tried everything. Ben, we never heard of a Bond like this before. He said, what's this all about? Sounds to I, me,
1: yeah, that they just don't want you. Because uh, you also had a lot of grief last year and perhaps the year before. And there was also all sorts of shenanigans regarding the showman's wagon, wasn't there, in short key? The
9: show, when we uh, we took... They wanted the showman's wagon, you know, the shark key. People came down, protest, all it, and your covered it as well, Need, And at the end, we still had to take the showman's wagon. That's so waste along with me. Why are it's they not- making
1: life so tough for a for Perks well, Funfair and everybody and all of the families that enjoy it? I mean, is there grief from our businesses complaining or anything like that?
9: I, you see what? I think this kind of started off first day when the... the um, they gave me the estimate about three years there. And they said that, they're saying there's certain business people in, in the town of Kingsdale that want that car park for their own business. Right, okay. And I, and I said, what about us? We, not we pay our taxes, we pay our, our rates, we pay our rent, we give employment, we pay PRSI, everything's both for Are we not considered a business? And the answer got no, we don't come into the equation.
1: Well, I suppose businesses who are complaining about it would say that they need... It's actually a car park, you know, so they need it for cars so people will come to Kinsale Park up and visit their, their shops and their restaurants and mm-hmm. their pubs and their takeaways and their fashion shops and their antiques and boutiques and things, you know?
9: And, yeah, but you look at... Well, there since 1934 and now down through it. What about the revenue that we bring into the town, Needs. Oh, I the think... It, personally,
1: I think it would be a terrible loss... Not to have a fun fair. I think there should be a fun fair in every town in Ireland all summer long. I think it's very, very sad. Your your dad's still alive, isn't he? He is, yeah. What does yeah. he make of all of this? He's
9: just in of hospital, actually, himself. Hope he's okay. Is he aware of this? He's aware of it, but I don't tell him. He's only 50% aware. He, I don't tell him everything that's that's going on, because at a man in 82, he doesn't need to know this. I know, but it would be heartbreaking for him. I mean... do <laughs> kill him. The, there, you see, this is what keeps him going. This is what keeps you going. It's great. We go in, we look forward. There's a lot of work behind the scenes to get ready to go in. We go in, build up, and once we build up, that's, that's the season started, you know, and to see the kids enjoying themselves and getting in. And, and we look up the park and says, we did this. These kids are enjoying because we ah, built sure. this up.
1: Absolutely, yeah. And you
9: know... Because you, you, you,
1: you don't have the money, nor could you raise it.
9: I, I can't... No, there's no way, because I'd be straight with you, Neil. We have a business account, and the business account is for the power. And that's only for the, the, the fund fair. You know, everything during the summer is taken out of the account. Be wages, be Yes, I know, I know. Be anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. so... If the, that account is frozen at the moment because it hasn't been operated in three years.
1: You haven't had a fun so fair in three years? No, no. That was COVID-related was really stuff, wasn't
9: it? it. And that was COVID-related. Last year, because we were, near, we were ready to go at, season, at the season of the season last year. I could have been in last year, but what we did say is, Dr. Father... The business people, because of the COVID, they need a, a leg up as well. So what we'll do, we'll give the car park to the business people. Last year, we won't go in. Yeah. We'll, take, we'll take the hit for that. Yeah. And that's what we did, It gives the business people a chance. Yeah.
1: So is, this the, is this the, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming that Cork County Council have been asked for comment as to why they've come up with this latest development of a 60 grand bond. But is that the end of the funfair now, the historic funfair?
9: If we can yeah, Neil, if we can't get a bond, it seems to the end. I, I had a meeting with two, ex, two officials last uh, as, as late as last Friday uh, for an hour. I just discussed all this, and they said, I, I discussed what i do. I, I told them I'd bring in, I'd do all my reds in plastic. I told them about the Mark Rain coming in to do a survey. We do a survey. Of, I told them all that, and they said, um, no, 60000 I should, well, what? Could you drop the 30,000? Notice it, it's the 60,000.
1: And you also said you'd put in two and a half grand's worth of protective mats to make the cabling safe I, and it won't I, damage the car park then, yeah.
9: I have 50, I have 50 special mats I had to buy from, I have to buy uh, in, from that's very New sad. And tell me, what Sorry, would happen
1: if it's, what would happen with all of the rides and all of the
9: equipment? I don't know, i just have to sail them on. Really? Oh God, yeah. Should we do, you see now, you can understand, we, we never travel, King'sale, Seal, we don't do anything else. King'sale Seal is our only base. And it's been there since 19... When I mean in 1932 and the park 1934. We don't travel. That's where we've been since 1934. So that would be the end
1: of it. You would sell up all of the rides, sell up all of the equipment, the generators and everything, and just call it a day after mm-hmm. 90 years.
9: That's it. I have no, I don't want to do that now, but I have no choice.
1: That is very, very no sad. Choice. And all you do is give people a bit of fun.
9: We tried, you know, Neil. We tried, you know. Like I said, there's a lot. There's a lot of work behind the scenes. It's very expensive to run the business from behind the scenes. But you know, it's what we do. We do because we love. We love what we do.
1: But it is nothing to bad. do with damage. I think it's. It's, it's no. This is nothing to do with damage. It's about no. not wanting you or the business is it's wanting
9: a, the car spaces. Yeah, they spoke. Like, as a lot of people have said to me, it's about they want pipers or the Kingshire. They got the. They got they got the showmans show Manzo the shark key, that was the stuff they got there. now what we do we we, um, we get them out of the top of yeah is there anywhere else that would work for you there's no other place now no one need there's no other place okay, okay. On, the, on the sea in front you know when like would I you said, be going just, when would you be going in typically I'm ready I, I'm ready did go I'm actually going in the seventh of May, I was just asking. The phone you now this morning to um, the insurance company. No, the insurance this year I had to get a front to be very great me. I got a financial company with financial insurance.
1: You have public that's liability it. insurance of 13.5 million euro.
9: Yeah, and I have an employee's liability of overweight meals. Ah, uh, that's heartbreaking.
1: Okay, I, I, I really say, would love to know what the people of Kinsale listening to this programme make of this story, uh, or indeed people who you? visit Kinsale or love Pipers. And also, I'd like to get the views of a few of the local councillors down there, so we need to get working on that as well.
9: Can I say one thing, Neil? We have pub liability for 13, 13.5 million, but it won't cover damage to the ground, you know?
1: But sure, there never is any damage to the ground. You there know, never is. There never I just was. Did, I just, I just you to would think they'd be saying, oh, we're looking forward to having pipers back. Is there anything we can do to help you? You're, you're yes, paying yes. rent there. like You're not a bum.
9: We ne- no, and we never, never, never go that way. And I say that because we never do. We don't want charity. We pay away. We always work with the council. And any time that we... We've we a had a bad season, Neil. Before... Every time, and tell me, me about season, Before we leave that park, Neil, everyone else, everyone was paid. We mightn't had diesel for our own jeep, put in their own car, but everyone else was paid. No, you're an
1: honourable man, an honourable family. We all know that. It's very, very sad, and it's shocking. It would break your
9: heart if this was the end of it to sell up well, all and, of those rides. And yeah. the fourth generation, you know, and another young girl coming up, generation coming up. And and do you know what. <laughs> Talking about generations, it's tough out there. Even my own, our colleagues in the showman's getting up and down the country. It's tough out there, what they, what they do for people up and down the country, you know. It's just, we'd love to be, the people appreciate it. But maybe I'd like to see the hierarchy, the council, look in the, our way of life and see what we do, you know. It's a
1: tough life. It is a tough
9: it's a life. T- yeah. It's tough. But, you know... It's There's enjoyable.
1: no more beautiful sight than the Marys, whether it was Kinsale or whether it was Crosshaven or whether it was Yall or Red Barn or Down and Bally Bunyan, all of those places I remember as a child. Uh, they just it lights up the eyes of children. You know, it's
9: just, yep, just wonderful. It's the lights, the music and the, the smiling faces of kids. That's what
1: it's all about. Me. Oh, my God, it's tragic. Ho- hopefully, hopefully this is not the end of the story, you nor know, the end of Piper's Funfair. I'd be interested to see what the council are saying. Um, if they respond at all, or indeed one or two of the local councillors or people listening from Kinsale. Um is—is is there anything else we need to know at this stage? You know, if, if if there's anything else I need to know, do let me know at this well, stage.
9: At this stage, I be straight with you. Be, we're in the talks. We we're meeting Friday with the the active committee with Helen um, and Mark um, O'Reilly. and. In, 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 so, so, so you So, let me call. just say,
1: you're meeting with members of council on Friday. That's tomorrow.
9: Well, yeah. Well, it won't be This will be a, a meeting between us. and what um, we're talking. Uh, we're organising a a, a a protest.
1: A protest. Good for you. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, come back to me with details of that. Brilliant. Okay. All right. Minute, again, I'd
9: like to thank you on your ah, and no, you you enough, your team. No thanks necessary. Not answer.
1: at all, man. You've got enough worry going on. You don't have to thank me for anything. We're back. Do stay in touch and we'll be back to you and we'll see if we can update on this story. Thanks for now, Brendan Piper down in Kinsale. What are your thoughts on that and the ever-changing world we live in? In my opinion, not for the better. Text 0868-104-106. I see an interesting one here. The reality is West Cork doesn't want the locals. They only want outside tourists. Sure, no locals can afford to buy property down around there. It's all been sold to overseas. Give me Kerry any day. I I accept that, the changing face of rural Ireland but I'm not so sure that that really has a connection with whether or not there should be a funfair in Kinsale or these tactics to get it out you know, and that's what it seems to me they just want it out by any means possible Get it off
6: your chest Call Neil Brenderville now on 0818 106 Red FM At least
1: a half a dozen different people wanting to sell their properties to uh, City Council contacted yesterday morning when we were on the air following Terry Shannon the councillor saying if anybody has a property and they want to sell it the council will buy it give them my mobile number so we did that with uh, in and around half a dozen it's probably even higher at this stage um, it's actually beyond hilarious how people shriek about the shortage of housing, and in the next breath, they will say refugees are welcome here, says Dara Mblarney. Another textress says our housing crisis will never be resolved with open borders and a welfare state. Um, The welfare state there references probably to earlier on when I was saying those people who feel that they are entitled to everything. Instead of Terry Shannon putting a call out to landlords, maybe Neil should do it and ask them to get in touch if they have reached out to city council to buy their homes but haven't heard anything back yet. Oh yeah, I've heard those calls as well. That's why I put it to Terry Shannon yesterday because I had been talking to people who wanted to sell their property to city council did all of the paperwork, did everything that they needed to do, and never heard another word. It's like those people that wanted to give over property properties uh, to the state and to the Red Cross to house Ukrainian refugees and were never heard from. I was in a guest house up in Newport a few weeks back. Beautiful, fabulous, fabulous guest house. Uh, really and truly gorgeous. And they told me a very lengthy story of how they put all the paper and the amount of work involved in doing all of the paperwork because they wanted to give it all. You'd be paid for it now, wasn't? it's not a charity or anything. Never heard anything back. Not a word. Five or six new houses just underway. The railway bridge in Spring Lane, still empty. But here's the kicker. They built the houses right next to a huge growth of Japanese knotweed. One word, idiots, says Bobby. Downsizing in council houses is what's needed. You have one person in a three or four bedroom house. We need to free those houses up. It's costing these tenants money for the upkeep and the heating of the houses. It sounds like, according to Terry Shannon, everything is hunky-dory. Is he living on another planet? This just shows that Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael are out of touch with what's going on in this country. If they're so on top of everything, why don't they go to the people and get a mandate? Election, They won't because they're just running scared. One or two more. Terry Shannon has just changed my mind on who I'll vote for and solidified me I'm going to be voting in the next election for Sinn Féin. He was on your call for the purpose of avoiding questions and just bashing another political party. It made my blood boil. He has made a voter for his party change her mind, says Sinead. And the final one. Terry Shannon is full of flatulence. All talk, no action. He wants to start a conversation, yet he wouldn't debate the eviction in council last evening. He's a mouthpiece for Micheál Martin in Cork, South Central. Nothing but a messenger boy. Well, I think that that is probably a little over the top. He is a hard-working councillor in his own right. So keep those coming. Text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 0818104106. My conversation yesterday on Spy Wednesday, I wanted to deal with that yesterday because I wanted to see... And have the story told in real terms, like if it was happening this week, you know, from Spy Wednesday all the way to Easter Sunday. Uh, and we did that yesterday yesterday morning with Father Tim. Um, and quite a response to that. Um, a lot of people liked it. Father Tim Hazelwood, wonderful in every way, much loved priest, priest and killer. Another person said, did you ever hear such nonsense on the radio? <laughs> I thought it was a well-told story. I enjoyed it. I have to say. Uh, and it was my idea to do it in the first place, incidentally. It's a pity Jesus wasn't in Ireland. He would have gotten free legal aid. Thank you for that. Uh, this has to do with his trial, I suppose. Frick says, when uh, when was dancing first mentioned in the Bible? When Noah took his wife to the ark. Fair play. I love the humour in this. Uh, maybe because Mary Magdalene loved Jesus and was his wife was the reason why she stood by him till the end. John says to me, will you go away with your fairy tales? But then one or two others said, that was, a lovely, that was lovely the time that Neil gave to Father Tim to speak about the week that's in it. Uh, I just want to thank Neil for the lovely piece he did with Father Tim. I thought it was a lovely way to deliver it. Uh, thank God the pubs are open on Good Friday again, says John. It was the most boring day of the year when they were all closed. And one final one for now. The crime of Judas was not his betrayal of Jesus because Jesus always had to be betrayed. The crime of Judas, according to Catholicism, was his suicide. In fact, it was said that Judas would have been welcomed into the kingdom of heaven if he had not killed himself. So that's just selection to uh, 0868 104 106. Back after the break.
6: This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Text and WhatsApp 0868 104 106. Gork's Red FM. And you can also pick up the phone on 0818
1: 104 106. And back to the phone lines we go. He'll get him going again this morning. at say uh, he usually does. Anthony, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? I'm well. I did mention this morning that Stormy Daniels has been billed by um, ex-President Trump for $111,000 for a failed defamation case. That doesn't interest you, though. You want her in court, is it?
8: Well, I'm not a legal expert, but I thought if you signed a non-disclosure agreement, you accepted $130,000 and you signed the agreement, I don't know whether he approached her to keep your mouth shut, or she went to him and said, if you don't
1: give me the money, I'm going to go public. No, that didn't happen, No, 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 no. He was trying to get his ducks in a row with the lead into a presidential bid, and he was wondering, what do I need to fix now so that this won't come back and bite me in the ass? And that was one of the things he had to fix, so he went to her.
8: But is that that not a legally binding contract, a non-disclosure agreement?
1: I would have thought so. That's the reason you pay it. And she broke it. I guess you're right, yeah.
8: Well, I, I don't think he actually would have went out and told everybody about it, but she did, and as far as I'm concerned, she should have been charged, and at the very least, she should have to pay the money back as well.
1: Yeah, and that then apparently all led into um, a defamation case between the two of them that she uh, took because he said that what she was engaging in was a total con job. She sued him, has lost and could pay, uh, one of the papers this morning is saying, anywhere up to half a million dollars when you look at legal fees and all that kind of thing. You know, surely that's enough, no?
8: Well, I'm sure she'll make up for it anyway. We all know
1: what she does for a living, so... I'm Sure, she won't be out of business for a, another couple of years. Anyway, yeah, yeah. well, not quite sure what she's doing anymore. We know what she did do, uh, but that's where we're at with that. Um, um, you you sent me the text that this is nothing more than a storm in a d cup. I found that quite funny. Uh, it's a good headline. Mm-hmm. It did did could, before you go, did did you have any? You're, not, you're aware of the update with regards to this book is gay, um, being withdrawn from the recommended reading list for primary schools.
8: Yes, I think that's absolutely appropriate, because I'll tell you one thing. People are the people that are crowing and crowing the loudest about religion should be removed from school. Religion has no place in school. Want would be the ones that would advocate for this kind of thing to be promoted to children. A child should be allowed to be a child. They don't need to have these things put into their head. These descriptive things. I haven't read it, and I don't want to read it. I, you, I have read it. it.
1: I have read it because I need to know what I am talking about. It is very descriptive uh, with regards to uh, primarily gay but sex. But do you
8: think there is any need really for that for children to know
1: that? Probably would prefer that they would learn about things like that in a book that's written responsibly rather than, say, for instance, on a porn app.
8: Well, what about like as I just said? Or what about site? people? that want religion removed from school. Um, They don't want religion to be taught in schools. They said it should be taught by parents or there should be like Sunday schools like in America. Mm, mm. You know, so remove religion and bring in the LGBT agenda instead.
1: If, If it wasn't gay sex, would it be all right?
8: I don't think...
1: I don't know, I mean, what are,
8: what's it recommended for tw- is it 12 to 14-year-olds or something like that? Uh,
1: well, I suppose, if you to be fair, the age bracket that it's pitched towards is typically 12 to 15. You see, the issue with regards to sex education is, I don't think a whole lot of parents are teaching children sex education, are they? So they've got to learn it properly, responsibly somewhere, don't they?
8: But should it be up to a teacher to have to do it?
1: Well, if they're not getting it at home, they'll only get it on porn sites. And, of course, that's not real world.
8: Well, how did we all learn about sex growing up? On the corner. I mean, I'm in my mid-party.
1: On the, st- on the street, from other fellows,
8: And you'd hear whispers here and whispers there and whispers that and whispers the other. and But you don't have to have it spelt out graphically. And I don't think it should be part of the 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 curriculum, the school curriculum, I really don't think it should, you know, because everybody has a different
1: agenda. But who's going to and teach them, Andrew Tate?
8: Hmm, well, you're going down a different... you're going down a different rabbit hole altogether no, no, there. No, and, and I,
1: if I'm, I am, let me continue to go down the rabbit hole. If this was not the LGBTQ community, would it be okay then if it was a book on uh, this book is sex? And not this book is gay sex. Do you know what I mean? Is it just is that the problem? It's a book about teaching young well, children I how to have gay sex. Well, I can only tell you when when
8: I went to school it, when I was in secondary school in the nineties, and basically we were just showing a video during a science class, and that was it. You know, and. It was just the basics, and then in science classic courses, while well, you just learned the basic functions of the female anatomy, the male all, anatomy. It taught you
1: nothing about safe sex, or relationships, or respect, or anything, or consent. All that has to be taught, like. It just does. I mean, maybe but, this isn't the book for it, this is just how to have gay sex primarily, but, you know, even talks about, you know, sex apps and stuff like it, that. in this is and.
8: just... I mean, like I said, it's what is it, less than 1% of the population.
1: A lot less, yeah,
8: yeah. Yeah, and I mean, I thought in a democracy that majority rules. And I really don't think that it is appropriate. And I mean, putting these ideas into children's heads before they've even reached puberty and putting children on puberty blockers And I don't know if you saw that Louis Thoreau documentary where he went to America and there was this family and they were just putting their children on puberty blockers at a young age. And we hear of this Travis Dock clinic now in England and the HSE referring children over there.
1: Over 70 of them on a waiting list, actually, Irish children. That, I mean, to me,
8: that is absolutely shocking. Okay. How okay. can you... I mean, they're doing... What What they're actually doing is the form... To me, it's a form of child abuse.
1: Why? How would a small boy know that he wants to be a small girl? Is it?
8: Well, no. If you put someone... If you put a child on puberty blockers, there's side effects to that as well. And... A child could change their mind. A child, I mean, you might want to be the Incredible Hulk. You might want to be Superman or something when you're a child. And when you're a girl, you might want to be something else. Mm. And you'll change your mind. You don't know your mind. Why is there an age of consent then Mm. at 17? Mm. And people can be put on, children can be put on puberty blockers before they can even legally have sex.
1: So this puts. I don't m- even
8: think about it. Okay.
1: So the the withdrawal of this book from the recommended reading list doesn't mean that it will be taken out of the city library because they are holding their ground on it. What are your thoughts on that? This book is gay, still available in the library, for instance.
8: Um, I think it should be removed. Okay, okay, because who pays for the library? And who pays for the staff that work in the library? Who pays their wages? The taxpayer? Okay. Only
1: because those that are reading it are too young?
8: I believe so. Okay. I don't think... I think a child should be allowed to be a child, you know, and to have a bit of innocence. The world has just gone so pinky-ponky now, and when I heard about that, oh, who was it that had a child and called it, um, um, I don't know, it was some plant, some tree... And uh, he let him make up his own mind about his sexuality and Adele bringing out her son in a skirt and he can make up his own mind about his sexuality when he's old enough. That's all too much.
1: It's all too much for your generation. Well, she's actually putting
8: that on him already. She said he can make up his own mind. Well, why did you put him in a dress then? (laughs)
1: Uh, Well, one of the things we refer to to there is the people before profit politician um, who uh, announced the arrival of a new baby uh, last week and called the baby Juniper. Yeah, I think Juniper is is a beautiful name. Why in the name of God would you have a problem with Juniper? Donovan had a big hit with a song called Jennifer Juniper. Beautiful name. I know Juniper is a great
8: ingredient in gin as well. (laughs) That's one of the main the, ingredients.
1: The big story with, with the <laughs> big story with that birth to Paul Murphy is that they refuse to give the baby a gender. Yes, and I think that's ridiculous. Okay,
8: okay. I read, really, I really do think it's ridiculous. I mean, we do have to get a grip of ourselves, like otherwise, I mean, it's it's wholly weak. I mean, like oh, in the name of God, like what? What is the world coming to? Like putting all these ideas into children's
1: heads? They don't need to know all this. You kind call of that stuff. child abuse? Then
8: I would find. I think anybody that would put it a child on puberty blockers is a form of child abuse. Okay. Because okay. why do we have an age of consent then? Okay, at seventeen. Let me get some so more. if you're if you're going to put someone, if you're going to put a child under seventeen that legally can't have sex. If you're going to put them on puberty blockers, that is a form of child abuse as far as I'm concerned. Right. I'm sorry, I'm going to stick by that.
1: Okay, no, fair play to you. I admire your forthright opinions and let's see what other people think of them and make of them. Text 0868 104 Thanks, Anthony. Back after the break.
6: Talk to Neil Prendeville. 818
1: Cork's Red FM. I was done with the sense of entitlement this morning. Here's an interesting one. I have a cousin with one child who has no interest in work. They get €950 euro a month towards an apartment. They get €1,100 euro a month hap with the child, drives a car, has a boyfriend on the scene. Between his wages and all the allowances, they have over €3,400 euro a month. What am I doing wrong? I work, my wife works, for less than €400 euro a week. My mortgage, ESB and gas each month alone is €1,460 that I have to pay every penny. This is why we have a housing crisis. You're better off in a council house with HAP and never ever having to work. Thank you for that. I wonder how you feel then when you hear the story, say, from yesterday where you would have a, a family who were given a public authority house. Now, there is payment due on that, don't get me wrong. Um, but, uh, you know, have three children and then go on to have four children and then five children and need to be moved then. From a three-bed up to a five-bed, um, that that would make your blood boil when you hear a story like that. Because one would think that in you know that you would be smart about it. You say we have three children, we have a lovely family home. That is now enough. Practice safe sex or contraception. But continuing to have even more children and constantly be upgraded then into bigger and bigger public authority housing. That screws it for everybody, I would have thought. Anyway, text 0868104106. Uh, speaking of, of screwing, if you'll pardon, it should be a joke and probably doesn't sound like a joke. Louise, good morning. Good morning. So we were talking about the book, This Book is Gay. Um, are you picking up on what, uh, on what Anthony had to say?
0: Um, well, I suppose how I look at it is that everyone is entitled to their own opinion. And I'm not coming on to say that, you know, anyone is wrong in what they think. You know, it's just like that's their own opinion. If that's what they want to think, that's fine. So I suppose just my own opinion on it is that... just like i suppose just just to i suppose counter what he said is that it's not so much that the book would expose someone to to i suppose like um lgbt kind of issues and maybe like you know make them think that that's what they are you know like um like i was uh, i knew i was a gay woman from a very young age like i suppose in primary school and i was never exposed to anything lgbt until i was in my late teens mm, mm. you know and i suppose if i knew that there was access to a book in the nineties, when I was a younger girl, I suppose that would have been a great help to me, you know, because like it's it's a very confusing time. When so were you're you young. in
1: pri- were you in primary school and attracted to same sex then? Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. And yes. was that how was, was that confusing for you or frightening or scary or was it a wonderful thing?
0: Um, no, it wasn't scary or frightening or anything like that. I suppose like I, I know I didn't tell anybody. Like I didn't come out to my parents until I was in my late teens, like maybe eighteen. And that, but no, I was never frightened of it. And, like, it was, it was, it, yeah, it was never anything frightening, you know. it was you conf- like, So,
1: you, were you confused by it? Were you wondering, what's going on here? It shouldn't be like this. Anything like that?
0: No, I suppose I never thought that it shouldn't be like this. It was just kind of like, okay, this is how I'm feeling. And,. You know, um, I suppose at the time, you know, when you're that young, you don't know how to put things into certain words. When you're older now, you can kind of put things into more perspective, you know, and kind of be like, okay, this is what I was feeling, you know. But yeah, so when, when you were that young, that you young when
1: you were that young girl in primary school, did you know what being gay was?
0: No, no, not at all, because okay. it wasn't taught. It was, it would like, no, God, no, it wasn't until like I think I was in fifth year in secondary school, and that was in the mid-noughties that anything LGBT was ever brought up.
10: And was you it at that like, stage
1: then the penny dropped for you and said, ah, that's what I am?
0: Yeah, but yeah, basically, you know, and it's just like, I think, to me, knowledge is key. And, like, I suppose if I knew at a younger age what I was feeling, and I suppose to kind of be like that it's okay to feel that way. You know, now, like, I know I'm speaking for myself, I never thought that it wasn't okay to feel that way. But I'm sure that there's kids out there that, you know, maybe grow up in certain home environments that, you know, maybe listen to their parents, listen to their peers, kind of feel that this isn't the right way. And then they start to judge themselves. They feel bad. And then that's when trouble starts with mental health. Or oh, there might be remarks
1: in the home about gay people or gay sex. Yeah. or and, and they feel, oh, my God, they hate me yeah. because yeah, I'm
0: this 100%. way or they
1: will yeah. hate me because I'm this way. Yeah.
0: Exactly, you know, like I know I know plenty of people that like unfortunately grew up in that sort of circumstances and it took them a very long time to come out to their parents, to come out to their friends, you know, and it's just like, it's it's, it's just not right, it's not fair on the person.
1: But there's know? a lot of people that would be quite open-minded, right, in, in with regards to all of that, me included, right, very open-minded, uh-huh. but at the same time would be a little bit wary of a book that would be available to a 12-year-old that would talk about, um, uh, and I'm just paraphrasing some, because I have read it, uh, anal sex, oral sex, sexual positions, um, how to, uh, oh, now there are other aspects of the book that talk about safe sex, don't get me wrong there, but it yeah. is unbelievably graphic sexually, unbelievably mm-hmm. so, and and a 12-year-old's reading it.
0: I suppose my response to be would it be as graphic as, Going on a certain website on the internet or, you know, something like that, like, you know, and then you're getting something visual, I suppose. And it's like, you know, those scenarios, maybe they're not quite very consenting. They're kind of giving you a warped view of this. Well,
1: I know what you're saying. In an ideal world, uh, nobody under the age of, say, 18 would ever be able to access a porn site. But that's never going to happen.
0: No, exactly that that doesn't happen, you know, and um, yeah, and I suppose like I because what I said to when I when I texted in, I suppose that the bigger issue for me is the, of what I'm picking up from all this is I suppose about consent, you know, that like like even even down to younger children, like if someone could if like if someone like if their parent or like you know a grandparent or whoever their personal guardian is was even to sit down with them or even a teacher. And was to discuss the things in the book and maybe that might twig something for that child and be like, hang on a second what's happening with me maybe at home or whatever is going on, that's not what, that's, like, that's not right yeah, yeah. you know, like, I'm like, and all these things and I think like, it's much bigger of an issue than just you know, sex stuff in a book you know, Yeah, yeah. and that's that, yeah, okay, and that's
1: just, just finally because we're out of time, but that, you know when, when you did eventually come out as the term says, was that to your parents and how was that?
0: Um, It was actually, it was to my mother and my grandmother first. And yes, like that was, you know, they were fine with it. You know, like they kind of thought over the years, they were like, they kind of had an inkling. (laughs) So, yeah. A lot of the time
1: people do, don't they?
0: Yes. Oh, yes. A lot of the time they do.
1: It doesn't come as any shock or surprise.
0: No, no, not at all. Good
1: stuff, good <laughs> stuff. Thanks, Louise. Look after yourself. Okay. Appreciate Thank the call. Text 0868104106. I'm
0: Rory. And I'm Valerie and you can join us for the very best in local, national and international sports every weekend on the Big Red Bench.
2: That's the Big Red Bench. Every Saturday and Sunday from 6 on Cork's Red FM. The Neil
6: Prenderville Show. Red FM.
1: Okay, back to uh, calls in a couple of minutes. A massive response uh, to texts each and every day and I'm conscious of them. Firstly, with regards to pike Pipers, up but go fund me for pipers. I'll throw in the first 50 quid. They need 60,000 euro bond. Um, uh, Seamus is going to head down to Kinsale this afternoon and see what the people of Kinsale make of all of this. I think it will be a travesty. I think it's unfair. I think it's wrong. I think there's an agenda there that they don't want it. Don't know whether it's at council level or whether it's a combination of council getting pressure from local businesses who want the car park. Just for parking. Don't you think that the fun fair is a wonderful addition to any town or community? I met my husband at the Piper's Mary in the Mardyke when I was 15 years old. We got married when I was 22 and had five lovely children. My husband's gone six years now and I supported him through his cancer for 10 years. The news of the Piper's Marys in Kinsale brings a tear to my eyes this morning. Isn't that lovely? She met her husband or the man that she would marry at the Mary's in the Mardyke. Shame on the council for what they're doing to pipers, taking away a tradition that's been there for generations. Maybe someone could set up a GoFundMe to pay the fee to save the funfair, says Mary Jane. There you go, there's somebody else suggesting a GoFundMe. I grew up in Kinsale and loved it, but the rich snobs have taken over the town in the last 10 years, Neil. They think pipers is too tacky for them, you see. It doesn't have a high-end brand name on it. I moved out of Kinsale to a place with normal neighbours, says Jim. Thank you for that, uh, blowing the lid on uh, the rich snobs of Kinsale. I mean, if they tacked maybe a Gucci sign on the side of Pipers, would that make it more acceptable to them, huh? What do you think? That's typical Cork Council stopping the Marys in Kinsale. Every year we go to Killarney at the same time and the car park is taken over by the Marys down there. The kids love it. And it's a lovely evening when the lights come on. We spend a lot of money, but we feel it's worth it. We also spend a lot of money in Killarney Town because of the Marys there. And Killarney Town Council obviously know this and therefore welcome the fun fair in town. Love the show. Well, it may well be welcome in in Killarney, but clearly not in Kinsale. I'm 50 years of age and I'm from Kinsale. I've gone to Piper's Fun Fair with my dad and grandfather since I was a child. I always brought my own kids there as well in the summertime and they love it. It's so sad to hear this story on the air. It's so sad to see this happening. The main problem with Kinsale is the new locals, or as they call them, the Kinsalians. They are so far up themselves, it's sickening. And I've since moved out of, the, of my own town because I couldn't stand the BS talk uh, out of people that have moved into the town over the last few years. The local business, as they call them, should hang their heads in shame on what they're doing to this man. All they want is more parking for their overpriced restaurants. All right, so some very strong opinions this morning, some very emotive opinions from people who talk about the changing face of Kinsale. You know, certainly a lot of criticism there with regards to people who have moved into Kinsale. Somebody saying that they're so far up themselves. Another one describing it, if I can remember the term that was used this morning, nothing but snobs. So keep those coming, text 868 and we'll come back to it throughout the course of the hour. As I say, Seamus will pay a visit to Kinsale this afternoon and see what Kinsale people have to say on the matter. Anyway, um, can I do this? Because I mentioned it yesterday. And I ran clean out of time. Back in 1983, right, there was this plane that was just about to run out of fuel. They only had a couple of minutes fuel left, and if they didn't find somewhere to land it, then it was going to crash. The captain of that plane was Ruben Ocaña, a Mexican. He stayed for many weeks, managed to land with only three minutes of fuel left in the tanks, managed to land on Mallow Racecourse. I remember the story unfolding back in the early 80s and he became um, uh, a phenomenon down in Kinsale much loved by everybody revisited the town a few times indeed he died sadly back in, in 2009 but the plane itself was making the news against recently because they have managed to get their hands on it and it is coming to Mallow apparently and will become a tourist attraction 40 years after that emergency landing it's a cracking story if you recall it if you have never heard it you're hearing it for the first time That's even better fun because it was a really great story. Kathleen Fahey joins me by phone. Kathleen, good morning.
11: Hello, Neil. How are you? I'm
1: great. Now, I'm all ears. You knew Captain (laughs) Reuben, did you?
11: I did. Well, my father had the hotel then, you see. The high beam. Yes, that's right. And um, they were going to stay in our, our hotel, but they stayed in the central after. And my uncle had the race course. So that's how the connection was.
1: And tell us the backstory to this. Where where was he flying and was he lost or what?
11: Well, I I don't know exactly where he was flying, but he I remember my uncle telling my father that the plane was after landing on the race course and that, um, of course, Lloyd of London had to come over then to... Um, you know, to uh, organise their, their runway, and the sugar factory workers built the runway then.
1: So, okay, so all those weeks later then, they had to work out how to get it back yes. in the air, so they had to build a yes. special runway to get it yes, to take that's off. Right. I that's ga- right. yeah. i got to wonder, how did they get the plane from Mala Racecourse to the newly built runway?
11: and um, because you see the the race the race course and the runway were kind of together do you know what I mean one that's was the, next to
1: the other okay so, yeah, it made, I right. so what was it like what was it like for him in, in in Mallow for all those weeks
11: well he was we had a festival back then called the folk gathering and he um he was kind of um a celebrity back then and it was great excitement altogether, together you know and um, he came back a year later in 1984 with his family but we had the whole hotel sold by then Um, so and then his daughter came a few years uh, later and now she's coming back again and they're scattering his ashes on the race course
1: and and that's all going to happen and also the jet's coming back yeah
11: I, I this just the first I heard that no I didn't hear that no until now yes I never knew that but they're planting a tree as well but they're putting up a plaque on the restaurant called Ocanas and Mallow so did they um, they named
1: a restaurant after them did they
11: they did they did yeah yeah.
1: Ocanas is it's called
11: that's right does it yeah. sell
1: Mexican food or what
11: <laughs> no, <laughs> not really. <laughs> but, um, oh, Lord, and should the Central is long gone now, it's all—it's only a shell of a building yeah, now, yeah, the Central, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And but,
1: did you, yeah. I mean, did you know him?
11: Well, I did, because um, because we had the hotel, and he was calling to the hotel, and there was two other pilots with him as well. I suppose they're long gone now, but um, this is an amazing thing now for the town to be having again, this... Uh, Mexican what, festival. Was, uh, what did yeah. he
1: do all of those weeks when he was around Mallow? He was a big, oh, he, was sure. a big he was a big hit with the ladies. I'm told.
11: <laughs> <laughs> he was. <laughs> he was. Your doctor said that to me. All right, that's true. And so they went to Springford Hall, and they went to Longville House, and they went to Bunratty Castle. They, it was all paid for by Lloyd's in London. You see, so um <laughs> it sure was be <laughs>
1: Picking up the tab, but I say he got a lot of free porter in the various bars. Oh
11: my God. He did, yeah, yeah. God, I can't believe how long ago it is now. It's only like yesterday to was me. There, and, was there a yeah. film
1: or a documentary made on the whole thing at some stage, There
11: was. A <laughs> film made, yeah, there was. But m- my uncle was never really mentioned. That's why I got onto the show. I feel he should be mentioned more because he was a big part of it, you know. So the yeah.
1: show was called, the program, the TV show that was called The Runway. And what... Ro- oh, so So, So your, your uncle then would have yeah. had the hotel... No, high-
11: my un- no, my uncle had the race course and my father had the hotel. There
1: you go. So Willie Fahi owned the race course <laughs> and your right. parents owned the high B. <laughs> That's
11: right. That's right. Yeah. So you oh well,
1: You're the whole thing well sewed up. <laughs>
11: Well, he didn't stay with us because the reason being he didn't stay with us because we had two en-suites and the Central had four so he decided he'd stay in the Central. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, you got to yeah. really get
1: like a presidential suite is it for the stay?
11: Oh, I'd say so because the Central had had more um, the more of the en-suites as I said, yeah. Okay, so, so when
1: your parents sold the high B they sold it to the Owens family. Was it Kevin Owens? No, No. No, no.
11: Um, they sold it to Shawnee Welch. Do you remember Marty Max?
1: I do I remember well, yeah.
11: Yeah, they sold it to him, and then Shawnee uh, Wells sold it to the Owens
1: All right, I want to chat with Kevin Owens. Um, and listen, Kathleen, thank you so much for remembering those days. And thanks
11: very much 80s. for reading me. Not yeah, sort of thank, me and yourself. Yourself.
1: Thank, thank you, Neil. Thanks very care. much. Kevin. Thank you. Right, let me Hello, Neil. How are you doing? How's it going? Kevin from the High Bee? What, what do you recall of it back in the early 80s? You were only young, oh. full, in short pants.
10: Well, do you know what? I wasn't actually born until six years later, ah. yes, so uh, unfortunately, <laughs> I don't remember an awful lot of it. But I did an awful lot of research. I, I was always fascinated by the story, and I did an awful lot of research afterwards. And uh, it was actually myself, my brother, involved at the time that we we renovated a barn in Malo, a restaurant in Malo, and turned it into a Oh, so you've got ocanas? Yes, as part. Yeah, it's it's, it's part of the Iberian Hotel complex, so it's the okay. sister bar barn restaurant. Mexi- um, Mexican uh, food, no well it, you know what it's a we, we, we have a wood for a pizza oven and um, we, we mainly do do um you know do that type of food but for for the fest weekend we are do going with the Mexican food for that weekend okay let me let me ask yeah. you
1: because I'm trying to get this question answered why did he it? only have three minutes of fuel left what was going on himself from the crew? okay
10: so I give you, I'll give you the backstory to it so he was uh, they were flying from Newark to Munich um at the time he was bringing um Emilio Ascaraga who was the head of the the, the owner of the biggest media company in in Mexico at the time they were on their way to Munich in preparation for the 1986 World Cup in Mexico. Um, the flight plan was to land in Shannon to refuel before going on to Munich and unfortunately they hit uh, a severe block of fog before trying to land in Shannon. Now he was a very uh, experienced and professional pilot and he decided that he would try and land um, so he tried once was unsuccessful, tried a second time, was unsuccessful again, and that uses up a lot of fuel. So at that point then, the air, air traffic controller had told them, okay, look, you, 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 your, your alternative airport that you had picked in your flight plan was Dublin, you're not going to make that, so it, it's time to try for Cork. On the way to Cork, they realised that it wasn't going to be possible to make that, and an emergency was declared. So then it was, uh, it was time to try and find a suitable place to land. So uh, the, the air traffic controller, and I interviewed him recently, he, was, he said that uh, with the language barrier and everything, he was explaining to, to Captain O'Connor that there was a racetrack in, in Mallow, which could be suitable. Now, O'Connor was looking for uh, a car racetrack because when he heard a racetrack, that's what he thought it was. Um, but eventually, anyway, through, through everything, he guided him towards the Blackwater. Eventually, he saw, saw, saw a Mallow Racecourse, as it was at the time. Uh, he circled once. And uh, it was an amazing feat. He brought the, 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 the plane down on the race course. Um, and it was just unbelievable.
1: This was a mid-April morning in 1983. Did people witness it happening?
10: There was uh, certainly um, uh, John Callinan, um out in the race course service station. Uh, he, he heard it. And I think he was the one who raised uh, the alarm. Obviously, uh, you know, there was uh, at the time uh, he heard it and, uh, and, and knew that there was something after happening. And uh, he, he, I, I'm not sure if he actually saw it. But he certainly heard it and he raised the alarm It's
1: a big plane though, wasn't it? It wasn't a small little four-seater or anything like that
10: No, it's, it's bigger than that It's a Gulfstream 2 um, I, I I'm have. i after getting pictures of it of what, I, what it's, Even the condition it's in at the moment But yeah, it's quite a large plane An executive jet, um, an amazing piece of equipment
1: So you can't talk at all To how he got on in Mallow With the locals for that period of time I think it was a number of weeks, was it 6 or 7 weeks It sounded as if it was 6 or 7 months At the time to me
10: yeah, he was there for 39 days. Um, no, I can only go by what I've been told, but look, um, the people in Mallow just welcomed him with open arms. He was a complete celebrity at the time, you know, and uh, everybody just loved him. Yeah.
1: And what became of the plane then? Because it's back in the news now, because you're about to get your hands on it. Talk of that.
10: Yeah, so look, we, we, we started the process of, of, uh, of commemorating this about 14 months ago, and we were doing a lot of work on it and, and research. We were saying with the 40-year anniversary coming up, we just uh, we, we decided we'd throw a bit of a party but one thing led to another and now we're ending up with a two-day festival but uh, we were, when we were doing some research we said we we'd, we'd uh, trying to figure out where the plane was and what the situation was with us um, so we went through all the different stories trying to track it down from one stage to the next uh, eventually we saw the last sighting of it was in Michigan in 2016 um, and through a lot of emails making a lot of contacts, a lot of cold calling uh, eventually, somebody got back to me who said yes that that plane was actually in Willow Run Airport, and that they would try and get in contact with the owner. Uh, a couple of weeks later, the, I was given the go ahead that I could contact the owner, and uh, now there is a possibility of getting the plane back to Mallow. You'd have to buy it, though, would you not? Uh, we'd have to do some negotiating, all right, Neil. But sure, there's ways and means of doing everything. But what, would it? Would it? Is it still flying? No, no, no. It, it was flying up to 2016. Um, it's been drained now of, of fuel and hydraulics and everything. Um, but it's in, it's in very good condition for a display model. So how do you get it back? By sea, is it? Uh, by sea or by cargo? Yeah, uh, I'm in talks with a couple of companies at the moment involved <laughs> in, in this type of thing. Um, I love this uh, story. <laughs> yeah, by uh, cargo plane or by sea. Now, the disassembly and reassembly is very expensive. Um, and, and the shipping is, uh, you know, shipping or cargo. Would, would be quite expensive as well but look it's I'm, I'm getting quotes together putting the whole project and see then um, you know if, if we can get this done but I'll certainly be trying my damnedest because I think it's too big an opportunity to pass up and it would be amazing for Mallow
1: and you've got to get this done for in time for Okana Fest that happens
10: uh, no, not Ocanafest this year this will be for Ocanafest Fest that's what I'm saying for the 40th yeah. anniversary one no, no this year is the 40th anniversary Oh I'm sorry of course it is yes.
1: 83 oh, yeah my god yes. my maths yes. are off yes. again yeah yes. 40 years yes. this and it's 40 years this month incidentally so that'll be yes. fantastic when it happens won't it if it does arrive back and where, where would you put it on permanent display
10: well, we're, look, we're, we're in talks at the moment with a couple of different people. Um, you know, we need to talk to, to, to the council. We need to talk to a couple of different people, look at a few sites. Um, but look, I'm, I'm sure if, the, if, if, if and when it's confirmed that it's coming home, I'm sure we can find a suitable location.
1: For well, us. I hope that Mallow County Council are a bit more um, amiable to it as opposed to Kinsale County Council with the Pipers, Funfair and Merries. So good luck with that one. It sounds like well, a great... You know, another thing actually would have been great if you'd hung on to the runway. You could have had your own international airport by now.
10: Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. And I must say Cork, uh, uh, the Council of Mallow and Cork County Council have been excellent with us um, so far and everything in, in, in relation to O'Connor Fest. Do you mind if I run through a bit about O'Connor Well, Fest? I know that
1: city. it involves um, Captain Reuben O'Connor's ashes, doesn't it?
10: Absolutely, yeah. So we, we'll be kicking off on Friday the 21st of April with a seven race card in the race course. And then we will have the scattering of his ashes, which I think is an absolutely fantastic event. The family will be scattering the ashes. Uh, We have some performances by Centre Stage and Amdi Dance. Then we have an air show over the race course performed by Aerobatics Ireland. And uh, the day at the races will be finished by San Patricio Mariachi Band before we come back into the town for some fancy dress and some festivities before it all kicks off again on the Saturday with a workshop in Ocana's Bar and Restaurant. Um, We've got art and engineering projects uh, kindly sponsored by Cork Airport. St. Mary's and the Patrician Academy are involved in that. There is drone racing in the town park. We have an unveiling of a plaque down in Mallow Library, kindly um, sponsored and donated by the Mexican Embassy. And look, there's much, much more to it, Neil. I just encourage people to have a look online, visit the Hibernian Hotel website, have a look at our social media pages under Ocanafest, give it a like, a share, a follow and maybe just uh, get involved over the weekend because it's going to be a great event.
1: Well said. OcanaFest has its own Facebook and Instagram page incidentally. You also got to get your hands on some Mexican street food don't you? That would
10: be... Oh, we, wait, wait, wait. All of that is under control, yeah. All of that is, uh, is, is part of it. Um, we've got some great people involved and you know the, the town of Mallow and all our sponsors really need to be thanked for everything so far. Cork County Council Cork Racecourse Look, the list goes on. Cork Airport, if you have a look online, that's all listed
1: there as well. It's a great um, story. It's, Kicks off with the yeah. horse racing and then rolls on for the two days, 21st and 22nd of this month for the fortieth anniversary of the landing of the Ruben O'Connor Gulfstream 2 jet. It'd be great to stay in touch with any updates with regards to it coming from America to Mallow. Do stay in touch on that one, right?
10: Absolutely. You can contact me anytime and we'll try and give progress updates as we go. How's biz going generally in Mallow finally? Uh, things are very busy, Neil, to be honest with you. Um, we've done a lot of renovations in the hotel ourselves. We've made a brand new function room. A lot of our rooms are renovated. We've a lovely new outdoor garden area. Um, in general, the town is busy, and I think, you know, from talking to people, everyone is quite happy at the moment. Cork is a town on the up.
1: All right, my man, well done. Take care of yourself. Good to get the update. Thanks. Congratulations on everything so far. Rock on, Kevin. Take care. Thanks very much, Neil. Appreciate All the best. It. Kevin Owens from the High B in Mallow. It's a great, great story. And 40 years later, of course, it's brought back to mind with recent developments down in Mallow and hopefully the relocation of the jet itself great story uh, text 0868104106 pick up the phone on 0818104106 I'm going to stay with calls because we've been covering a lot of different stories this morning you know the way it is with banks and they're trying to close down banks and keep cash out of it I mentioned earlier on about uh, credit unions and the availability of credit unions whether it was Passage West or or Grange uh, you would think that if we're closing down a credit union and picking a day not to open it they would pick a Monday rather than a Saturday but there you go nonetheless Owen good morning on, well, Neil, thanks for having me on. Not at all. You wanted to pick up on that. Go ahead. Yeah,
2: so look, the news broke on Tuesday that the credit union the, the passage branch of the credit union would no longer be operational on Saturday from May the sixth. Just put into context. Yeah, you're all off
1: from you'd have to go to Douglas, like, isn't that it?
2: Yeah, you would have to you would have to go to Douglas yeah. and like just to put into a bit of context, this isn't the first withdrawal of service within the passage branch in recent years. In the past you would have had a Friday evening service where the credit union would close we'd say at five o'clock would open back up again at seven and be open till half eight to leave those who couldn't get during the day, get in
1: their fighting. But that has also been withdrawn in recent years as well. Yeah, so this isn't the start of it. The same thing's happening in Grange. Why are they in saying Grange. this? Why, what's the, like, why, why are management saying they no longer want to open on a Saturday?
2: Well, like, as you read out yourself, and you kind of laughed at it this morning in their statement, they say it's in the interest of maintaining the high levels of member service and experience as expected by our members.
1: That makes, uh, that makes me laugh because it makes no sense. How do you improve the experience of members by closing it and saying, you're going to have a much better experience now, go to Douglas?
2: Exactly, and you're, you're, you're saying go to Douglas. If you look at people from Passage, it's not even the bus route from Passage. Like you do, if you went from Passage or Monkstone in, you actually have to say to Douglas to get over to the credit union, so it's, it's a total disimprovement
1: to the service. Is it staffing related or something like that, would you think?
2: But did they say on the Saturdays now that when in Douglas they're going to be putting extra staff on, and they're opening for an extra extra length of time. That extra length of time is 30 minutes. So
1: it's who's who's, who's this going to impact on the general community? I mean, I mean, it's, it's going to
2: have a serious knock-on effect within the whole community itself. Like if you get up beside the morning you're going into the post. or the credit unit to do your business in there. It's it's located right in the centre of passage with the shops, the butchers, your hairdressers, your barbers. The so if you're in now getting your, get your business done in the Credit Union, what butchers are you going to use? What, what shops are you going to use for your messages? Are
1: oh to, my God, I forgot about it. that. The knock on effect of doing other business. Yeah,
2: the knock on effect of, of services within the whole community. Yeah. Do you have a business in Passage? No, I don't have a business. No, no. Okay, do, do
1: Passage have a bank?
2: That's not more passion. We we had a bank, um, but it's, it's no longer the post offices where the bank is. No, but there yeah, was the was the, well. there
1: was a bank in Passage at one stage. There
2: wasn't? was an AIB bank in Passage. Was, there was, yeah. just, just the long AIB, long. Just, you know, just the AIB. Yeah, and they closed it. They closed that. Okay, that's closed a long time now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and there's, and, there's no like in my opinion. There's no rational thinking behind it, and like I personally will be writing to the CEO, Roy, looking for the rational thinking. It's a total withdrawal of the service. There's not even a suggestion of every two weeks that one week it'll be Douglas, one week it'll be Passage, which it around. It's still a withdrawal of the service. But it's at the moment, it's just we're out of Passage, we're out of Grange, and we're into Douglas and come see
1: us if you want to. Centralising it. Is there a worry that there'll be more to come following the Saturday one, that it might impact well, even more on opening I, times?
2: You're already after losing your Friday evenings. You're now losing your Saturdays. So it's a four-day service down there at the moment. Is it going to go to a tree? Is it, is it going to be a case of that it's going to be gone at some stage. All right. Like, it's, it's only in recent years it's moved into what I'd call a state-of-the-art building in the middle of the town. Would that Probably have been the be busiest day?
1: Would that have been the busiest day of the credit union? I, I would presume it was, like, it's open for three hours
2: on a Saturday morning. I would presume, I, I use it myself. Like, I would be of the age where you'd be saying you'd be tech-savvy, 99% of my transactions in the credit union will be done over the counter or not online. Like, the credit unions were set up by the people, by local members who voluntarily worked in yeah. it. And they're the ones that've been no left behind.
1: Okay, let me know what the, um, the CEO says to you when you get in touch, will you?
2: Yeah, just before I go, I just want to point out like, I will be doing a, an online to a petition and board a petition in the local businesses just for people to sign, just to show that the interest is there for the Saturday mornings. And I would stress too that when we are using the kitchen, it's not the staff on the counter that have made these decisions. While people are angry, and rightly so. I would say it's not them that need
1: to be listening to it; it's them that need to be vented at. You know. Okay, well, I can pass on details of that. Can you just tell me before I let you go? How are things going in Passage Town?
2: They're good. Like the, the, the community, there's a very strong community. They're striving to improve. We've had Christmas markets. We've had the people have ran Halloween events up in the old school. So people are trying to improve the community. We've a fabulous tidy towns committee that are out every week keeping the town nice and tidy. Our sports. business
1: is thriving down there.
2: Businesses their business are doing well they like like a lot of businesses they're struggling but people are trying to hardest to keep their business afloat and I think this is going to be another thing that's going to knock them yeah, back yeah. and they're going to find it really hard yeah. to so, so
1: The walkway the old line has made a huge improvement hasn't it?
2: It has yeah and there's supposed to be and, and, and there's works, additional work to be done on that which, with the link the, they're currently at the Rochstone side you know, there's supposed to be upgrading works down there as even well, better so.
1: again but what about building what about accommodation um, what about homes apartments there's a lot of empty yeah, like, sites there any work yeah, being done you,
2: there you go down, like you inside the centre of the town there's plenty of derelict buildings recently we had the, the old school knocked and we're it's running into difficulty there again it's up for sale again and stuff so there's just stumbling blocks and obviously you have the, the old issue of the doctors that just seems
1: to be rumbling on for years and yeah there. I know it's like, it would be a great place to live if there was more places to live wouldn't it
2: yeah, it's a, great, it's a great place to live anyway and they're all my life and I love Oh it. no, I'm not Everything
1: talking about there. for the people that are there and for people who are looking for somewhere oh, it, to live Yeah, 100% it's, it's it's located
2: location is perfect right
1: in the waterfront. you've walked
2: away you've numerous
1: accounts, I always think that the, the Passage West is underutilised to be quite honest with you that it's not it's not being used to its full potential you it's know, it's not being exploited 100%, yeah, yeah
6: no.
1: I'd agree with you Alright my man do stay in touch thanks Owen text 0868104106 back after the break <laughs>
6: The Neil Prenderville Show now 0818 104 106 Red FM
1: Uh, Just back to texts, Uh, one topic I was dealing with this morning is the book This Book Is Gay that's going to be taken off the recommended reading list given by the department to primary schools Um, and and it is up on the website actually because I saw it there and I actually read the book. Absolutely disgusted to hear the support of the pedophilic book being supported in the first section of your anti-racist report, Neil. Um, I don't I don't know how you can equate talking about the book this book is gay with anti-racism. They're not connected in 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 certainly not in the workings of my brain. Anyway, back to the text. It seems irrelevant and just an opportunity to support something that they know nothing about. The title is a deliberate misnomer to cover a pedophilic agenda. If this book, gross as it is, was aimed at adults, then there wouldn't be a problem. It's paedophilia hiding behind a gay banner. If you haven't read it... How dare people have such disparaging remarks against those whose only concern is the protection of children? Uh, Fair enough. And maybe there are people listening to this program who haven't read it, but please don't include me in that. I have read it, and I also express concern about certain aspects of it myself. A book that's written responsibly, you say? Give me a break. It's child porn. End of. Another one. Tell Anthony that a faith based school is one where faith is taught. The clue is in the name. Parents who send their children to faith-based schools do so by their own choice. What about the rights of parents who wish to do just that? Anthony is pushing an agenda for LGBTQ and that is his right, or I think it should be saying pushing back against an agenda for LGBTQ, so would he be happy if it were not discussed at all, for instance? And a final one, this man who talks about Good Friday and St. Patrick's Day, I can see he is against religion. He knows exactly why the government wants to put it as a holiday. I booked my day off from work because for me, it is a special and holy day, Good Friday. If he wants to keep his shop open, then he can. There's no one forcing him, but I believe that Good Friday should be a bank holiday and St. Patrick's Day shouldn't. That is my opinion. And one other final one for now, um, because an awful lot of texts on different topics. I was chatting yesterday with Father Peter McVerry and we were talking about housing and the lifting of the eviction ban. And then I asked him about the aspects regarding drugs in Ireland. And and I was talking about uh, the scourge of of heroin. And he said, heroin is a big problem, but it's going to be nowhere near the big problem that crack cocaine is going to be. Uh, And it's getting younger and younger, those that are starting. So crack cocaine now is the one we need to be watching out for interesting response Uh, i can't go on air for obvious reasons but if my child were given drugs then i can tell you i would be dealing with them myself guards have their hands tied by the law society members getting millions in free legal aid to challenge the guards in court to get their scumbag clients off the hook aided and abetted by the ex-law members who played theatre-type games at the victim's expense. I think that's a criticism of some judges. I would deal with the SHIT or SCUM bags myself. Oh, judge, my client had a bad childhood. My client had addiction. That's why he broke into the pensioners and beat the living daylights out of them. That's why he stabbed a young girl in the street, etc., etc., And then the judge will give a suspended sentence. Yet if you don't pay your garlic VAT bill, you get six years in the joy. In all fairness, we should be up in arms over it. I support this government, but we have been let down, as they have always given way to the PC shower. I'm not a hard man, but I'd protect my kids, end of. Uh, On one recent point made on your programme, if they could get teenagers to move from an area when the guards could not... um, I think this is a point that Tommy Gould made recently where he interjected with a load of kids and got them to move on. Um, What is that telling us? It's telling us that the guards have been destroyed by members of the Law Society and two, Sinn Féin remains a fear to people if Tommy has the power. Fair play to him, but it raises questions as to how Tommy Gould from Sinn Féin can do but the guardy apparently cannot. So thank you for those texts. Keep them coming. Text 0868 104 106. Just staying with that, that kind of related topic, actually. He's not on three, guys, so I can take a break. Sorry, he's on two now. Much obliged. Thank you. Hold on there a second. Michael, good morning.
12: Good morning, Neil.
1: Good to hear you. You too. Go ahead for the time that I've left
12: near with the disasters that are happening in the country at the moment, regards to murders, robberies, drugs, slaughter, okay? No, the young woman murdered and killed in Limerick yesterday. Tragically. And it's, it's continuous. Now, one thing which stuck to my head there recently was that up in Nina, the beloved Nina in County Tipperary, beautiful town, so historical, the parents um, wanted no religion thought. To the children. And then don't go to a religious ethos school then? Now, the thing is, in Ireland in the last couple of years, we welcomed in 26 different nationalities, including <coughs> Hindus and Muslims. And these people, the Hindus and the Muslims, as we all know, are so dedicated to their religion. They meditate, they pray, and they meditate. And um, The important thing for Christians, whether we're Presbyterian, Methodist, Church of Ireland, or Catholic, is that we have the commandments to get us through life the easy way very simple we take the fourth commandment honour thy father and thy mother you had a sad case in Killarney there some time ago with this as far as a woman a beautiful woman mother was murdered by her son a madman right mm-hmm. like, he uh, got well so much be, be kind it.
1: psychiatric issues let's be kind yeah, yeah, yeah. I right, okay. throw that in alright ok the next, well, the next one,
12: one the fifth one thou shalt not kill is a this going, going to be sorry up. Michael
1: is this going to be a sermon on the ten commandments
12: no, no. It's just using to illustrate a point I'm making. with okay. Re- regards to having a better society. And oh. um, thou shalt not kill. Okay, if people realise thou shalt not kill it's an offence to do it and stop it, and it's proven yeah, so yeah, many I know, people I know that. Slaughter. I
1: know that. But I know the, that. The that but one, popes, popes, but, popes, but popes for thousands. Then, popes for thousands of years went to war certainly did. At one stage, they were backing the Nazis and all sorts of stuff like that, so...
12: Seventh thou shalt not steal, okay? And the amount of stealing, as you know, violence, violent robbery, and criminal assaults on people that is causing fierce, fierce de- dedication. So what they want to do so is give the, no, no religious instruction to the kids. The chance of the youngsters when they start off, there's a great excitement when a child starts walking, when they start eating, when they start exercising, when they start reading. And it's very, very important to let them know the difference between right and wrong from an, an early stage. If not, Neil, what's going to happen? They'll have more time for pornography and vulgarity on their mobile and less of the qualities of life mm. so we want to, we want to try and preserve and make the world a better place Fair not a, a worse place and, and
1: on the basis of the fundamental building blocks for that are the Ten Commandments
12: I have no doubt in your mind about yeah,
1: it. Even though that I, I a lot mis- of them, a lot of them, could be seen in the in the eyes of others as hypocritical, uh, and yeah, I'm giving well, you examples is, from the Vatican right down to all of the yeah. scandals within the church that we've had to deal with, and, Shocking, many, and many of those yeah. are the reasons why people don't want their children educated in a religious ethos. That's why. the
12: simple thing is, we know who's out of step and who's wrong. And these people know that they're wrong too. Whether they're religious or whether they're politicians, there's a, there's, a, there's a direct line between being right and being wrong. And everybody knows it. And it's yeah, but you can hierarchy. pick and choose
1: what's right and wrong. I mean, historically, I was reading a book recently on the Crusades, right? Yeah. And we, we all know of what that was about. It was one religion going over to decimate another religion. And it's thought that the religious Crusades, those that died, could have been. And this was under the the auspices and the control of the popes at the time 9 million people were killed in the name of christianity like because they weren't christian
12: shocking yeah, appalling yeah, yeah. and th- so why like, can we, well, why well, would we well, live with why would we
1: live with a commandment when the actual popes and the church themselves were engaged in this kind of mass genocide
12: well, we, we, we follow we followed the gospel, we follow the, 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 the history of the gospel, and the Lord handing the commandments to Moses on the mountain, okay? And if we employ these things, and it helps to make us a, 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 a correct and a better and a healthier, safer society for the coming generations, I'm all for it. Yeah, okay. Because no matter what it is, people will step out of line, but the bottom line is whether hierarchy, whether they're popes, or they're only Josephs, the difference between right and wrong is so clear. Okay. And the other thing which I spoke to you before about, and you highlighted there again there, while well, ago, was the amount of fellas getting off from court, from sentences, so to speak, free legal aid. It is absolutely appalling. I give you an example, Neil, about in Canada where you have five legal aides. Mm and the amount of fellas who would have 50, 60 the judiciary
1: would never. The judiciary would never accept that, all the way from judges down. They're
12: never going to agree. No. Of course and because it's a, gra- it's a gravy train for them.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it's means- a gra- it, is, it is a great earner for them, for sure it is. But others <laughs> no, then no. would say that people are entitled to a defence if they can't afford it.
12: Well, you just stand it on two feet, because, like, you've heard the story and you've illustrated the highlights of fellas going into prison to have a good time and then, apparently, this chap telling me there recently, one of the latest things in prison is that they're showing fellas how to weightlift and bodybuild. Yeah, what's so about Fitter, healthier, stronger, to reoffend, offend so No, they're, they're not situation.
1: necessarily to do that, though, maybe to turn oh,
12: well, their life around. I so hope, in- we hope to God, that's the principle of it, but the amount of fellas who will come out and do it, unfortunately will be high, will be high and the, the to, results uh, yeah, there uh, the, uh, the
1: re- Reoffending there. rates in Irish prisons are very high, that is true, um, That's the, true the, yeah? big I- the big issue that I have actually is all of what you're saying but also the amount of adjournments of cases you know, you could have a yeah. case before the court three, four or five times when I actually want to see court cases go in Get done. Have all your ducks in a row. The guardy present all of their evidence. The decision is made on the day, and we move on to the next case. Not this back and forth. More free leg laid every time Diabolical, there's an adjournment.
12: Yeah. Diabolical. Yeah. As I said to you, I leave you with the one point. We start out the commandments are there to make life easy for us. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not
6: honour thy father and thy mother.
1: Okay, my you man. Can't. Let's see what other people think of that. Thank you. Text 0868104106 The
6: Neil Prendeville Show on Corks Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday. Oh eight one eight one zero four one
1: zero six. Just very quickly, just talking about Ruben O'Connor landing the jet back in eighty three. This month for you. For Forty years ago. Kieran McCarthy at the Council was on and said, there's actually great uh, RT archive footage uh, of the interview with Ruben O 'Cana, the Mexican uh, pilot on his time in Mallow. Uh, thanks for that, Kieran. We tracked it down. Here's a little bit of it.
8: In the merry month of May, just before
2: the dawn of day, a plane flew in for Shannon to refuel. But when Shannon is
9: fogged out, they are ordered right about to touch down in Cork Airport as a rule. That uh, morning, uh on uh, April 18
8: coming from uh, Shannon on bound to Cork uh, the controller asked to me about our status in that moment and uh, we said uh, we are coming very short of fuel and uh, he he tell
9: us uh, you almost are flying over Malo.
12: uh, There is a race course in Malo. I uh, was here on my forecourt at approximately 8 a.m. And at about 10 past eight, I heard this aircraft, this low aircraft coming towards my premises. Uh, This was at my back here. Now, it veered to my right, took a short turning that direction that's on my right here, and went towards the um, Sugar Company. A factory uh, then it carried on towards Mallow for a short distance and it veered sharply left.
9: Well he's here for four weeks and whereas he hasn't yet begun to speak with a Mallow accent it's his early days yet he settled in comfortably here to the central hotel and towards the end of his day was delighted to see that the town itself was on face for the annual Rakes of Mallow festival <laughs>
1: And how the town took to the bold captain, an overnight celebrity, Mallow embraced this breath of Latin exotica. Captain O'Connor found the full whirlwind of Mallow society to his liking, an unexpected windfall, a break from routine.
9: He's even selected beauty queens. Tell me, is he a great man for the ladies? Did we hear that? We hear that, <laughs> Is that right? <laughs> you don't know whether it is true or not, is it? No, no, no. All they, they think that you're a great man for the ladies. Is that true? I don't think so. So it's only all rumour? Yeah, rumours.
1: I see. Well, we would say that anyway. That's just a a clip, actually. That's an RT report by Pat Butler. Actually, Pat Butler taught me in primary school. I wonder how he's getting on all these years later. So from one overnight celebrity to another, I want to go down uh, to Academy Street to Feel Good Inc., the tattoo parlour down there, because Porig is standing by. Porig, good morning.
3: Hi, man. What's
1: I'm you? good, I'm good. You're a, an overnight celebrity, or at least the side of your face is. Uh, what, what have you got tattooed on it? Um, I've got the Dole logo tattooed on my cheek. The Dole logo. That would be yeah. the hand and the dove. Uh, why? Um, I don't know. I just thought it was funny at the time. I didn't really expect it to
2: blow up in any way, to be
1: honest. It's a beautiful tattoo, but... For the side of your face, um, (coughs) will you live to regret that? Uh, We'll have to wait and see, I suppose. All right, hang on there a second, because I know that Eric Moore is also standing by. I think he may have done the actual tat itself. Eric, good morning. How are you, Neil? You're making the news big time, you guys. Did you try and talk him out of it? I did, man. Um,
13: I know Paul now. it's uh, seven, eight months, and he came to me about two months ago, and he asked me to do it. So I sent him away, and I come back in a month. And he came back to me the following month and I sent him away again. I was like, come back to me in another month. And then he came to me the other day, the other day and he's like, look, do you want to do it? And I'm like, man, I don't know. And he's like, so if you don't want to do it, then I know somebody else that will. And I don't really want somebody messing up my friend's face with like an unclean tattoo. So I'm like, look, you're after put months into this thought, so we'll... Is If you're happy with ah, that,
1: yeah, I mean, he went away and he thought about it and thought about it and thought about it and didn't yeah. change his mind. Padraig, are you an apprentice tattoo artist? Yeah, I am. That's
13: all right.
1: Okay, and how long does it take to train? Um, I think kind of on average about two years,
2: but it can depend. Really,
1: like
2: okay. everybody learns at different things.
1: Okay, it's not. It's too. not a. It's not a great. It's not a great phone line. Is this one of the? Is this one of the more weird ones, Eric? Or do you get other requests like that?
13: Um. Generally, I kind of turn away things like this um, because, obviously, there's a huge stigma for, like, face tattoos and stuff like that. Um, now, I have face tattoos myself, and I have been, like, you know, I have seen first-hand, like, the the way I treat people would treat you differently, even though, like, you have been an amazing person on the inside, then, you know, on your outside... Oh, you sure I know it. Yeah, I know. People, people tend to judge, well. don't they? they? They do, man. They do. And, you know, I'm a big guy. You know, I, I look... I look like I'm I'm angry. I'm actually a really nice person. And, like, people judge you then
1: on how you look. Why is it? Because um, people with a lot uh, of body art or face art look like angry people, is it? They do, man. Like, just just as, a, as an example, I was in,
13: I won't name the shop, but I was in a shop in Ballancolic recently. My wife, my butt, heavily tattooed, and we're very alternative. And, man, I was followed around the shop with this security guard, just based on my appearance.
1: Just because of the... Tattoos, just because of how
13: I looked. So I, I dress very well. I wear watches, and um, you know, I'm. I was like, I, I take care of myself very well, and I present myself very well. And um,
1: that's an incredible topic, topic you've just risen, actually, because in 2023, I'm wondering, does it also impact on people with regards to trying to get a job, for instance? You know,
13: there is a lot of employers now that are um, more open to it. You know, myself and my wife stayed in a, a very, very nice um, spa hotel above in Wexford. Um, and going back 10 years ago, you wouldn't see people with tattoos serving you at those places. Now, this and age, you do, there was actually yeah. a woman who served us with a, with a hand tattoo, which you would never see back then. But you see it now, and that's a great thing to see. Yeah. You know, that people are seeing it's art and people are expressing themselves.
1: Could I just ask, because I have very little time, what what have you refused to tattoo? I mean, are there examples where um, you said I just I refuse?
13: Won't. I refuse all kinds of hate symbols. Um, now, I generally do refuse face tattoos as well, um, but because he is my friend and he is in the industry, then I did make an exception. But um, generally, I refuse face tattoos, and like I would refuse names as well. Like if people came in, like oh, I want my girlfriend's name or my boyfriend's name. I would refuse that as Why well. Why
1: would you refuse that? Um,
13: just as, a, as an example, I had a lad that came to me about two years ago and asked me to do a tattoo of his girlfriend's name in his chest. And I said no. And he went out to her, he got the tattoo, and he came back to me like four weeks later. And he's like, Mike, can you cover it because he broke up?
1: That's the reason you do it. You say <laughs> yeah. no because it may not yeah. last.
13: Exactly. I have my wife's name tattooed in my shoulder, which I'm very proud of because I love her. And, you know, people that are married and in long term relationships like that, that's a different story. But when you have young couples that are 18, 19, 20 and they want a name across a hand or across an arm or something like that, then it's, it's just not a good option for them. And I would so rather just turn no, Alice, I
1: want to talk some more about tattoos tomorrow. I really do. I'd love to get people's opinion as to whether or not they are dealt with differently. Like when you were walking around that supermarket and you were clearly being followed, did you say it to them? Why are you following me? I did man, because, you know, to be honest, it's not worth the hassle. Um,
13: This, this, you know, he knew by looking at me, I wasn't going to steal anything. So you did or you didn't
1: ask? You did or didn't say
13: something? I, I I didn't ask, but I did make the manager aware that I was being followed around the shop. And I actually have clients that are heavily tattooed and have been working on the same shop recently and had
1: had the same thing happen. Okay, yeah, because you can't judge a book by the covers as you. I'd love to get other people's opinions on this in the morning with regards to tattoos, you know, yay or nay, are they treated differently, do they have people looking at them suspiciously. Just before I go, Parik, are you now planning on another one? Because somebody said to me you were looking at an Aldi logo or a Super Value logo or a Lidl logo or something. Is that true?
4: Um, it's not.
2: That's not a... That's not a... I don't know... Uh, any solid sign yet? But you have no I solid. Have p- so- we, might, we might have to do something right for the other cheek to
1: balance it out. All right. Yeah. Well, if you've got the dole if, if emblem you take on the one,
10: tension off the dole sign a little bit. Yeah,
1: yeah. The dole sign on one side. I don't know. Maybe, maybe another government department on the other. Perhaps maybe the HSE. Maybe, maybe yeah. Or just something nice and delicate, like a flower or something. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> a guaranteed Irish logo, maybe or something. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. That'll be hell. Yeah, <laughs> I let you get on, uh, Parig Thank you so much, and good luck with the tattoo. And you too, Eric. That was fascinating stuff. I don't know if you're free in the morning, but if people have opinions or thoughts on tattoos, I'd love to revisit in the morning. And if you're free, I might give you a bell. Is that all right? Yeah,
13: that's no problem, Ronnie.
1: Super stuff, man. Take care. Eric Moore at the, uh, Feel Good Inc. Tattoo Parlor on Academy Street. Your thoughts on that are welcome, particularly if you sport tattoos yourselves. Text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 0818104106. Have a good day. I'll see you tomorrow.
7: For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts.